カスタイム今次の放送は晩による晩のための晩補充ポッドキャルチアポッドキャストでこの番組はグランドスパンダーやりくと台風の敵を日程送ります Hey guys, welcome back to another exciting episode of the Fan Holes Podcast. Tonight we're going to be doing some、uh, more Toku Thursdays. If you've been keeping up with this show, which I hope you have, it seems like a lot of you have, you know by now that we're, we've been doing Gaim the entire series. We've been doing it in art instead of episode by episode. We just feel it was a better way to do it because we can give more commentary on a whole batch of episodes instead of just delving into one episode really in depth and. That would just take forever because there's over 40 episodes in this series. However, even that notwithstanding, we're actually getting kind of close to the end. We got, like, basically, according to, like, how, like, Kamen Rider Wikia puts it, and I guess this is how the show puts it, this is the Forbidden Fruit Saga. There is actually kind of a caveat, though. This part of the saga is kind of broken up in two parts because there is a special in the middle of it, which we will address when we get to that point. But so we're, what Derek decided to do, and I agree with him, is we're going to be doing the first part of the Forbidden Fruit Saga. And speaking of which, I want to go ahead and give a shout out and let people know you're here, sir. Hey, what's up, man? This is Derek, Derek WC, Forbidden Fruit Saga, part one of two. <laughs> of two. <laughs> kind of excited. We're going back to our friend Koda and Kaito in the wonderful world of Zawame City. So I guess we should just go ahead and jump right into it. Basically, The episode that we're going to be starting off with tonight is the episode 33, Beat Riders Great Gathering. So, the Beat Riders obviously are going to be playing a big part in this and all that. This is basically, we're starting, like, like we said, the、uh, Forbidden Fruit Saga. And the shit's not doing good in Zawami City. <laughs>、um, things, things are kind of breaking down pretty bad. So, basically, you know, we start off with Koda. And he's out looking for Akira. And he's like, you know, first he looked in the apartment and he's like, oh crap, I guess she went to one of the shelters. And、uh, we switch over to find that Akira has, you know, found a lost child. And, you know, she's going to go off with him to the shelter. But unfortunately, a lion and vest attacks. And I got to say, Derek, like, considering it's been such a break since this, I remember I had to watch a couple episodes to re、uh, familiarize myself with it. I forgot how much they just dump you into the, this arc right out of, the, out of the gate, you know? You, you know what it reminded me of? It reminded me of the,、uh, the Batman comic arc, No Man's Land, because I was thinking about it the way they sort of describe everything is like Zawame apparently is specifically designed. Like it's a city that basically is almost like an island city. So when, when all the, the shit goes down and, and the invests are slowly like taking over the city and invading, it's Basically, like they cut off all routes into the city, and it totally reminded me of, of No Man's Land because it's like Zawame is basically cut off from the rest of the world, but also, I guess, in some sense, that protects the rest of the world from, from the Invest invasion as well. Yeah, yeah, in theory, yeah. That's, that's, what, that's what they hope. Speaking of which, that's actually what's going on over in the Yggdrasil Tower. The main heads are arguing about. You know, what to do because they're, they're trying to figure out the best way to go about things. And then Ryoma, he gets a hold of them. Well, I mean, the Yakuza Corporation, not Tower. And Ryoma contacts them. And the leaders 
basically say, you know, fuck your plan. <laughs> you know, it's like, it's like, wow, like, apparently Rayoma does not have the stroke he thought he had. And they're all like, we're just going to like join forces to get the forbidden fruit. You know, that's what we're going to do. And Ryoma is like, okay, you're going to try to, you know, basically fuck me. I'm going to tell the public, you know, about uh, Project Dark. How do you like that? And naturally, you know, chaos and rioting and, well, not rioting, but panic ensues, I guess is the best way to say it. This, this like, I've I've enjoyed, I'm, I'm just spoilers for, for future pineapple ratings, but I enjoyed this arc a great deal. But th- this one sequence, though, I think, like, took this episode down a notch in my eyes. Because it's, like, one of these funny... I-, I don't know how to explain it other than it's, like, you know, it- 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 it's-, it's told from a very Japanese-centric point of view, which cracks me up. Because, you know, obviously Ryoma seems like he's totally in charge and gets everything and is speaking Japanese. But then you've got these, like, day player actors who probably aren't very experienced actors and all of them are speaking in their primary tongue so you've got like these guys from yggdrasil or whatever british you know (laughs) yeah it's like somebody's from somebody's from you know the uk somebody's from france and somebody's from china basically and 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 it it, it has that odd feeling of and i I always thought it was funny and cool in godzilla final wars but it does have that odd feeling of when don fry is part of this japanese crew and they talk to one another in their own language but yet somehow magically they understand it so it's it's (laughs) this kind of weird thing of you know the english guys like what are you doing, Ryoma? And this is horrible. And and how dare you? You will answer for this. And meanwhile, it's like it's almost like they're having completely separate conversations, but yet they're somehow talking to one another. And then meanwhile, you know, the France, you know, the French guy is going off in his own language. You know, sacre bleu. You know, like and he's, yeah. he's <laughs> you know, and, and 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 then you know, of course, the the Chinese guy is speaking in Mandarin, and and you know, it's kind of like you know. So I yeah it's just it, I I get it it makes it you know I guess the idea is it's supposed to make this a more worldly kind of you know situation but it, it does make me think like back to my original question of like who's Takatora's boss and all I can think of is a bunch of morons are Takatora's boss going by this <laughs> you know what I mean because basically like Ryoma sort of makes them all look like idiots in one fail swoop, you know, and, and, and it's, I guess that's, you know, that's probably by design or whatever, you know, that they, 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 they yeah. all look like morons and stuff, but it did, I don't know, just the, the way the scene played, it, it, it does have that kind of effect of these are, these are, you know, I, I feel bad, but but those guys were kind of lousy actors, you know, like and 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 the way the scene is structured, it's like, well, how how could you possibly be good in a scene like that, too? Do you know what I mean? It's 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 very much like working with a green screen and not knowing what's on the other side of it. It's basically like, okay, like scream in front of this green screen and have a conversation with it. But you don't tell the guy it's like Sean Connery who looks like a dragon. You just kind of 
tell them nothing at all. Do you know what I mean? And then they just have to kind of wing it. And then and then when people see it and go, oh, that was fucking terrible. It's like, well, it's not that guy's fault. He didn't he probably didn't have all the information he needed exactly. But yeah, yeah, he was like, you know, yelling at like a piece of tape on a green screen because that's where the eyes were. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah, that is true. Like Ryoma, you know, since he's speaking Japanese, there might be a little bit of truth that he doesn't know what the fuck they're saying because he really doesn't seem that plussed about it. He's like, you know, oh, you're not going to follow my plan. Okay, like I said, he's just like, oh, you're going to fuck me. Well, I'll fuck you first, and, and even worse. So, yeah, Ryoma doesn't lose any of his maliciousness or evilness. Like I said, just because he doesn't have to stroke with these guys, he doesn't really care if he has stroke with these guys. He's like, I got my own shit going on. Then uh, we go from that, though, with Ryoma, like I said, you know, dropping the bomb on the world, you know, the the bomb of uh, information, not a literal bomb. Uh, you never know with Ryoma is possible. We go to the Gaim base, and here we have uh, Koda, and a lot of the other armored riders trying to figure out what to do to save the people of Zawame, or at least try to get them out. Because they want to try to get them out at the very best, and at the very worst, just have people not die. I was kind of like, man, that base is is crowded after seeing like some of those specials where it's like a ghost <laughs> town, and there's only like two or three people in it, and seeing it filled up to the brim with like all the basically primary cast you know it's it's like oh wow like this is you're like this is packed to the gills now like everybody's it <laughs> like at the all, home base you know all the figure arts you could uh, possibly want <laughs> okay okay they're not all armored up but anyway monado is explaining that the jsdf have you know like you said derek pretty much said no one gets out of this town you know we're going to keep the MS here and you know also we're not going to send help either <laughs> this is your problem which is, you know, it's bad enough when you can't leave, but it kind of remind it kind of reminded me of that scene from Avengers, where you know the USA was like, you know, you know, fuck New York, the Avengers can handle it. Sorry, the Avengers aren't handling it. Fuck it, fuck nuke it, nuke New York. We don't care. You know, they're just like they pretty much written Zawame off as far as like the world goes. So it sucks to be a citizen of Zawame City. Yeah. Anyway, the writers, though, they, they finally come up with a plan. They're going to Scooby-Doo it and split up into teams and, you know, go fight some Invest. Also, to kind of help out with this, Monado is actually being very helpful. She's not being duplicitous or scheming like we usually see her. And she's like, you know, here, have some of these communication devices. So now we got some, you know, Star Trek tech going on here. Avengers tech, I guess you could say, where they could just push their ear. And they're, they're radios. Like, it's not that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> She gives them radios. It's it's not too high tech, but you know. I know, but considering these are beat writers, like <laughs> a wristwatch is high tech to them. Okay? <laughs> You've seen where they live there. Yeah, they go take off with their walkie talkies. I was trying to make it sound cool. Then <laughs> we do go actually to Yggdrasil Tower. I mistakenly said that the corporation heads were at Yggdrasil Tower. They weren't. They were talking to Rayoma, who's at Yggdrasil Tower. Anyway, we go to the tower. And Ryu, you know, basically is pretty much going with that. He his pick for it's her, right? Her, yeah, you're right. I, yeah, because I I keep forgetting that myself. That's why I just mentioned it because I, I I'm always thinking it's a dude because because I I feel like she is the the counterpoint to Michi as far as like the uh, overlords go. But but I'm always like I remember I was watching this and at some point they. They used the pronoun, and I was just like, oh, yeah, that's right. Like, she's a girl. Like, oh, yeah, I forgot. She's a girl with a very deep voice and not a very feminine-looking body. But, yeah, it is a girl. Red U is a, is a female. I, I forgot myself. But, yeah, she, she's like, yeah, like you said, that's 
that they, they are playing each other. Like you know, Reggie wants Mitchie to be her pick, to be the, to be the one who you know might be a get a chance to become the overlord and gain the forbidden fruit. But Mitchie reminds her that Kodo is still out there. You know, it's like we gotta take care of him. You know, it's like because Mitchie is getting more and more. Not just, you know, code is in the way, he's in my plans. There's definitely some personal stuff going on here. He's starting to actually seem like he doesn't like Coda anymore. He, he wants to get rid of him. Well, yeah, he, I mean, he, he says, like, straight up, he, he says we've got to, you know, basically destroy him. Like, like I mean, he, he wants him defeated. I think the Japanese word is, like, taus or something. And, like, so when I heard that, I was like, oh, this is, you know, you're like, this is serious. He wants him defeated, you know? Yeah. Well, I'm like saying, like, you know, he wanted him out of the way before, but he was he was okay doing his whole little, like, you know, like you said, cards to the chest thing. Now he's just like, yeah, fuck it, kill him. You know? <laughs> it's like, damn. <laughs> so, yeah, the, the the stakes have gotten a little bit higher. Reggie, she calls upon, dear Lord, I'm going to fuck this up. Dio Dionshu to assist her, and to assist Michi. Another kind of plant-looking lizard thing. Kind of a odd-looking suit monster, very green. <laughs> it actually does look like somebody who would serve Red Yu because Red Yu's kind of green but darker green. This was kind of like neon green. They they take off and we are back with Koda and Mai, and they're they've been fighting a lot. So you know they decided to kind of take a minute and go to the fruit bar, and amazingly enough, it is still open and Bando is still there, he's still serving food. Man, that, that's a pretty dedicated guy, you know? <laughs> he is, he is. He's, he's he's there to feed his kids, basically, I suppose. Yeah. During this, Code actually mentions something that becomes, that will become more interesting as the show goes on, and he's like, I'm not really hungry. And Mai's, of course, like, you've been fighting nonstop, and you need to eat. And he's like, I think the Sengoku driver is, you know, giving me sustenance. And not only that, but the food tastes kind of weird. And that's kind of alarming, yeah. Yeah, he has that moment where he... I, I think the idea is the food's supposed to be all tasty and spicy. And then he, he's kind of like, oh, this kind of tastes bland. Like, almost like he can't... Like, he's losing his taste buds or something like that. Yeah, and it's also, like I said, you know, kind of a... It makes you wonder, like, if the Sengoku driver is giving him energy. Sure, that could be a good thing. But also, these things were made by Ryoma, so who knows? I mean, that could be bad, but we'll, we'll have to see as that goes on. But anyway, before this plot point can go further, uh, Minato calls, and she's like, need some help over here. <laughs> so he hooks up with Minato, and, you know, she herself is curious about Kota, because she seems to be favoring Kaito, but again, all these Brazil people, they seem to have their own agenda in their own ways. And he's like, she's just like, you know, what would you do if you got the forbidden fruit? And, you know, she lets him know that if you really decide to go for it and you want to become, like, you know, the one who holds the fruit, you may have to defeat all your friends or anyone who's in your way, including Kaito. And, you know, that kind of makes Kaito pause for a minute. But again, this isn't the same Kaito from the first, you know, episode. Even though he pauses for a second, he still has that determined look on his face. You know, he's like... He doesn't want it to come to that, but you can see that if that happens, he might not be as quick to cower away as like the Coda from episode two or three from the series. Yeah, but she does she does kind of push him, you know, to the point where, you know, I, I think he gives her the answer like that he wants to protect people and and I think she kinda 
calls him on his bullshit or at least calls him on, you know, well, wh- what are you going to do after that? You know, like mm-hmm. basically like what, you know, it's like it, it's nice to say, oh, if you if you had power, what would you do with power? I'd help people. I'd help everyone. And it's like, OK, great. So now you've helped everyone. Now what are you going to do with the power? Yeah. You know, and, and at that point, he's kind of tongue twisted and tongue tied. He doesn't know quite how to. He's like, I, I never thought of it before, you know, and it's like and, and basically to her, she's like, that's why you're going to lose. You know, that's why you're not going to get the golden fruit because you haven't you haven't really thought it through. You know, you, you don't have. Yeah. You, you think you're determined, but you, you haven't really fully thought it through, you know, from from her perspective. Yeah. You, you don't have somebody like Kaito's ambition, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah. Basically, before they can continue their little uh, morality argument, they're attacked by Dion Shu. And they both had to transform, turning into Marika and Gaim Jimba Lemon Arms, which was kind of nice to see that back. He hasn't used that too often lately. He seems like he's been jumping right from Gaim to either Kachidochi or, uh, like I said, the last episode we watched, Kiwami Arms. So it was kind of nice to see Jimba Lemon back. Marika, unfortunately, she doesn't do poorly, but she's defeated pretty quickly. <laughs> yeah, it seems like a lot of these new like overlords and new invests that are lieutenants to the overlords are a lot more powerful than the previous ones have been, you know, whereas like the, the standard armors could conceivably defeat those invests. It's like these ones, it's like they, they just slap around. Like even the Minato is not in like one of those base armors either. I mean, she's got the whole soda, you know, extra powered one and everything, you know, and it's like, she still kind of gets slapped around. Yeah, like I said, she doesn't do, like, horribly, she doesn't do, like, you know, Chip and Dale level bad, but for Minato, yeah, she doesn't do good for her, you know. Anyway, but Gaim goes after the Odeonshu, and he turns to, again, Derek's favorite uh, armor, the Kachidoki arms. Unfortunately, (laughs) before he gets to be cool, though, He's attacked by Zangetsu Shin. Dun, dun, dun. We all know why Zangetsu Shin's attacking. He doesn't, however, though. Because he's still like, you know, Takator, what is wrong with you? Why do you keep attacking me? And, you know, Guy is like trying to just def- defend himself. You know, kind of harkening back to Minato and his little conversation. It's like he doesn't even want to defend himself. He doesn't even want to attack Takatora, who at best is a more recent ally. You know, like sure, he kind of found a bond with him. But did he really know Takatora if this was him? You know, I mean, this is, again, you know, like I said, Kota's not weak. He's not like where he was, where he was always second-guessing himself. But I don't, you know, at this point, you're like, maybe he doesn't have the heart to defeat anybody who gets in front of him. I could understand what you're saying, because you, you basically, you're, you're thinking of it in terms of, like, who are his oldest allies versus who are his most recent allies. And it's like, if he can't, lift a finger to stop one of his most recent allies, what's going to happen when it's somebody who's close to him that that he potentially has to, you know, war with, you know, to, to get this fruit. Yeah, so that, yeah, that makes perfect sense to me, what you're saying. Yeah, he can't just, you know, defend against, you know, newer allies. How is he going to defeat people he considers his best friend? So, yeah. But, yeah, the so Zangetsu Shan, of course, is taking advantage of this, you know, kind of taking some pot shots and stuff. And lo and behold, here comes Oren. Bravo joins the fight. And again, you've got to love Oren. He's just so useful at the most random times because he is so in love with not just Zenketsu Shin, but by proxy Takatora because of his fighting style, how elegant and regal and precise he is. 
He's like, this isn't a Zangetsu. This is not my beautiful white, you know, writer. This is somebody who's not Takator at all. Amal Durian, you know, has has Bane powers in this sequence. It's like, it's like he he's looking and he's like, that is not the Batman. That is an imposter. <laughs> yeah. You know, and it's like, it's like, it's like basically like that's what he's doing there. He's kind of like, that's not my Takatora, my cutie baby honey pie. Like that is an imposter. You know, and it's funny because it's like it did. I, I don't think that's anything that ever occurred to Coda. And and what's great about it is, I mean, yeah. I guess now he's got that bond with them, you know, that they've all fought together as beat writers, even though they were sort of nemeses and, 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 and you know, they, they had to fight one another. At least at this point, it, it, it was kind of cool to me that there was no question that what he, I mean, they, they sort of question it after the fight's over, just for a moment as part of a comedic gag in the next episode. But like in this moment yeah. in time, it's kind of like, wait, he just told me something I didn't know. And that basically gives, you know, Kota like round two power because now it's basically like, it's kind of like the thing of, you know, in any heroic piece where, you know, maybe a scroll is disguised as Sharon Carter and it's like, I can't hit Sharon Carter. I can't move, yeah. you know, and then all of a sudden <laughs> yeah. it's like, you know, some some other, you know, Falcon's like, Cap, that's an imposter, you know, and it's like, now I can move. <laughs> Thank you. I'm, you know, thank, thank you, you Wonder Man. <laughs> like, thank you, Quicksilver. You know, and, and, and he can he can, you know, kick ass now again. So, you know, he's not he's not he doesn't yeah. have this, you know, uh, I guess there, there's no con, you know, there's no more conflicting emotions and everything of should he do this or shouldn't he do this? Because now he kind of knows it's an imposter. Yeah, I, I was wondering, you know, like you said, he gets around to two of how and he turns into Kiwami Arms. And I know the last episode you said you didn't hate Kiwami Arms. It just wasn't your favorite. But is it made a little bit better now that it seems like even though he's Kiwami, he still uses the uh, Kachidoki DJ gun? Yeah, yeah, that was cool. I mean, it, it seems interesting to me because it is I, – I, I can't remember if this is a comparison I made the last time. But, I mean, it's very Amazo slash Cell type arms where it's like he can he can pluck whatever weapon he needs from all the various – arms we've seen to this point so it to, yeah. to me it is kind of funny though it's it's kind of basically it's like you know you've got a belt and you can access all the powers of the justice league and it's like yeah that's great and everything yeah, much. but i'm still gonna finish him off with like fucking superman do you know what i mean i'm still gonna finish off this guy yeah. with the fucking dj gun because that still is i mean w w whether he looks like kiwami arms or whether he looks like kachidochi arms he's still gonna bust out the dj gun to like do the final attack it seems like at this point yeah which unfortunately is for not because even though he's aiming at zangetsu shen michi again shows that he's kind of an asshole and does i mean i mean i would do it too i guess if i was going to get killed but he has no loyalty to these overlords and he just pulled you down to a front of him you know it made me laugh because i was like aha the peacock guy got thrown in front of the fucking bus you know like basically yeah. like it was pretty funny he, I mean, he's definitely pulling, like, a star scream there, where it's like, you know, don't shoot me, you know, and it's like, <laughs> he just yeah. throws somebody else in front of the blast, and, you know, he, he, you know, of course, that guy's kind of all, you know, bummed out that he's getting blown away and stuff, but I, I mean, I thought it was a good sequence, and, and the way it played out was, oh, yeah. was, was cool, you know, like, I mean, you, you yeah, still get to see... Yeah. You, you still get to see the DJ gun do some major damage, but then you still get to have your, you know, your sort of slimy, slick 
opponent, you know, make his escape or whatever. Yeah, speaking of which, as Mitchie's escaping, you know, he turns back into his base form of Mitchie. And he's kind of starting to lose it now. He was, he's always been kind of on the edge, but, you know, it, it really does seem like almost a break here. Because he's like, you know, he doesn't care how much stronger Coda gets. It's like, he's like, I will take advantage of, like, basically of him being a dumbass, you know, naive, whatever. And, you know, I'm, I'm going to destroy, you know, Kamen Rider Guy and Coda, like, you know, both of them, you know. He's like, he definitely reached a breaking point. Well, he's got that line of dialogue that stood out to me where he says, friends are those who do what I want. You know, like, so yeah. basically, <laughs> basically, since you know, whoever doesn't do what he wants, basically, he's going to turn against them, you know, like, and, and, and it's this kind of narrow minded little Lord Fauntleroy type attitude, you know, where he's, he, you know, it, 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 it's like, and, and he is having those moments of sort of insanity or, you know, where he's just kind of laughing to himself and, you know, kind of, you know, getting irate with, the, you know, basically, it's it, it it it's weird. It's almost like there there was a point where once he decided to to murder Coda, you know, shoot him in the back. I thought maybe at least he was finally being honest with himself. But now it's like he sort of regressed back into this weird insanity where he's not quite being honest with himself, but he's just doing whatever because he feels like it, you know, kind of thing. Yeah, he's like justifying it. Well, you know, and, and just that he sort of he sort of broke in that way where it's just like, oh, who cares? You know, like, I'm just going to do this because, you know, I'm I, it's <laughs> like he can't he can't own up to the fact that like he's jealous of, you know, Kota, but yet he's like, why does he have to be so much stronger than me? You know, it kind of reminds <laughs> yeah. me of like, like he almost had a scene, you know, after, after his, you know, defeat, basically, like after he had to throw the peacock guy in front of the DJ gun blast, you know, he, he's, he's running around grabbing some, some metal gates or whatever. And it reminded me of the whole end of like Batman forever with Jim Carrey, where it's like, why can't I kill you? You know, and it's like he, he kind of had that moment of, you know, it's like clearly he's 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 teetering on the brink of, you know, sanity where he's just kind of like, why does Coda have to be so much stronger? You know, like and he's just kind of losing yeah. it at that point. Yeah, it's just like no matter what he does so far, it just hasn't been paying off. So, you know, like, well, we will see how much longer it takes Mitchie to maybe do something even more horrible than he's already done. However, that does wrap up the 33rd episode, which, honestly, I, I guess I'll go ahead and go first with my, my pineapple rating. I'll, I'll give this one a solid three and a half. I know that may seem like I'm being a little harsh on it, but I think this was more of a kind of a, not a filler episode, but this is a bridging episode from the last arc to the next arc. It's definitely a setup episode for, like, the new kind of status quo. You know, you, you have the, the you know, Zwame's cut off from the rest of the world, and, you know, you're, you're kind of figuring out, like, it, it's almost like now with the event of the last episode and the Kiwami arms and then all the writers teaming up, it's like now they're, you know, they're sort of like their own superhero team where it's like oh the you know the writers are together and and they're you know taking the fight back and that kind of thing so i mean i i, I mean for mine i i just gave it four pineapples and and i kind of explained the reason why i took off the one pineapple just because i thought that the the sequence with Rioma and and all the i guess you'd call them foreign officials just was kind of 
cheese ball, <laughs> you know, and like I couldn't I couldn't sort of get past that. Like I, it was kind of clunky, you know, like I understood why they did it and what it was supposed to represent. But it was kind of like a clunky way to go about it, I thought. But th- I mean, there were lots of good things in this, too. I mean, you, you've got I, I yeah. thought it was interesting how, you know, there, there's one thing we didn't talk about was with all the radios and everything. There's this kind of interesting I guess I was referring to it as possibly like a, a swappy romance moments, like where it's like, you know, Kota's having conversations with Minato and Kaito and Mai are having conversations with yeah. one another over the radio and stuff like that. And I mean, they've always had that sort of connection and relationship and everything, but it, it's interesting the way they portrayed it in this is like, you almost think that it's a dream and they're just hearing what they want to hear from the other person. But you sort of also get the idea that they're actually really hearing it, too, which is kind of interesting because you, you might think yeah. that it's sort of too good to be true. But yet they are saying those things to one another. Yeah, because like Minato really likes power. She likes like not just like people who have power, but she likes people who know how to use their power. And there's a couple of things Koda says and she's like, you know, like maybe he is becoming stronger. And then there's like my talking to Kaido and like. And this is not, you know, word for word. I'm just paraphrasing. You know, Kaito does seem to, like, have these moments where he's not a softy by any stretch of the imagination, but he says things that seem more hopeful than the standard Kaito of, you know, the strong shall survive, you know, and that makes my eye, like, all happy and stuff. Yeah, yeah, I think so. I mean, I, I, I thought that was an interesting twist on on some of the relationships we had seen up to that point, you know, and, and again, I mean, I enjoyed the, the fight sequence and everything. I thought it was choreographed well and, and, and the way that they had Durian come in at the end and give him sort of the, the turnaround moment and everything like that, you know? So, I mean, I, I thought it was set up pretty well. Yeah. Three and a half, three and a half pineapples is by no means a bad rating. It's definitely above average. Just, eh, I guess it just didn't hit me quite as good as it hit you. I hadn't even taken into account like the whole, you know, League of Nations, you know, UN crappy acting. I mean, I, I noticed it, but it didn't really, like, hit me. I was like, when you said that, I was like, yeah, they were pretty horrible actors, weren't they? <laughs> yeah, well, I, I, I don't yeah. think it's any fault of their own. You know, like like we were saying, it you know, this wasn't at... This wasn't on a set like they, they were they, they, there were yeah, yeah. four actors all on green screen and then they were all like spliced together in this weird, you know, computer high tech, you know, sort of, you know, off the grid room or whatever, you know, trying to be hush hush. And it just, it, it you know, it just didn't play very well is all, you know. Yeah, it was it was it was not terrible, but it was just kind of awkward. It was just like, mm, yeah. Yeah, I mean it's it's part it's part of the setup of the new order, but it was one of the parts of the setup that just felt like you're saying it just felt awkward. Yeah, so uh, that is you know the beat writers' great gathering, which yeah, like I said, man, not a bad episode at all, but definitely uh, if nothing else, a solid start to this uh, arc. You know, a good setup. You know, and we usually have good setups if they're not mind blowing beginnings of an arc. They're usually at least really good setups for cool stuff to happen. Look on. Soda. Melon energy. So that, of course, brings us to episode 34 The King's Power. 
and the Queen's Resurrection. And we're going to jump right into it. Basically, the beat writers have regrouped at the garage because, you know, there is just a big battle between what we think is Takatora. Well, we know who it is, but as far as Coda goes, basically, they're talking about the fact that, you know, Bravo said, you know, hey, this, this is not Zangetsu. You know, this is not my Zangetsu. This is not my beautiful boy, you know. Right, right. Who's, yeah. And who should show up but Michi. <laughs> I, I I thought that scene though was funny though because they do they do have that moment where they're like are you sure and then and then they sort of question him and he totally like loses it in one of those weird odd comedic moments for for Bravo you know like where it's like everybody's like okay 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 we believe you we believe you <laughs> we get it <laughs> not your beautiful boy got it got it you recognize his butt cheeks we believe you we got it we got it. <laughs> You know that guy's bulge better than anybody. We got you. Um, <laughs> <laughs> we understand. We're not gonna. We're not gonna needle you about it anymore. But yeah, Mitchy, of course, even though he is still kind of losing it and stuff, he's still good at playing both sides of the fence. He hasn't lost that ability yet. And you know, he's like, you know, hey, I was scouting the Yggdrasil Tower. I mean, you know, I was doing shit, man. Come on now. And you know, he he won't, of course, reveal anything, you know, about himself to the others. But Minato. You know, obviously, she's aware that Michi has been around, you know, Takatora and stuff. You know, she's aware of all this stuff. And, you know, she's like, you know, well, what are you doing? And, you know, he's like, yeah, I'm, I'm helping the overlords. You know, what about it? If you help me, maybe I'll help you with that whole forbidden fruit thing. And you think this might be, you know, something that Minato would be in for. But again, Minato likes power. And while Michi is going for power... She likes people who already have a little bit of power and want more. She says, basically, you know, in no uncertain terms, she's a kingmaker. You know, she's the person behind pulling the strings, you know, and like, she's like, while you, your treachery is like left pretty much, you know, people homeless and you homeless, you know, it's like, how good are you really at your job? Well, the thing, the word that's used, that's going to, it's going to be one of those things where, if Mitchie hears this word, he's going to have, like, the Kill Bill music go on in the background, you know, the, <laughs> yeah, yeah, and it's like, it's like, you call Mitchie this, and then he loses it, because she basically is like, you're just the Overlord's lackey, you know, and it's like, that's like the last yeah. thing that he wants to hear from anybody, and it's gonna, it's gonna play out, like, in other episodes, too, where it's like, oh, shit, you just said, it's like, you just said the wrong fucking thing at the wrong fucking time, like, by calling him something <laughs> lackey. You know. It's like Marty McFly and chicken, you know, it's like, did he say yeah. the L word? <laughs> yeah, yeah, basically, yeah, it's ex that's exactly what it is. It's like, he's Marty McFly, and you've just called him a chicken, basically. And, and but, you know, like, I, that seems great, though, because she basically, like, you, you said that, you know, in no uncertain terms, she declares herself a kingmaker. But, you know, basically, the way she caps it off is, and she's like, and you, little lackey are nobody's king, you know? And it's just basically like, oh, you just got fucking served, you know? <laughs> like, basically, like, you got owned. Yeah. Minato, like, no matter what you may say about her, like, as far as her allegiance, she's definitely a strong character. She she knows what she wants, you know? she She's got an idea. She knows what she wants. She knows how to get it. And she gives no fucks if you have your own plans, because she's going to do what she does. If you can help her out, great. 
if you want her to be your little lackey, no, nah, fuck off. What's great is, I mean, she she totally gets under his skin, and then he's like, he's grabbing onto the railing, trying to be all aggressive and everything, and it's like, he's like, this is my place, like, you don't belong here, like, you know, this is this is my fortress of solitude, like, all these little gime dancers, they're my friends, they're not your friends, they're my friends, you know, like, it's like, yeah. you didn't, you know, basically, and, and what's great about it is, she's like, you little fucking fool, like, you lost your place here a long fucking time ago, and, and it's just like, like it, it, it was a good. I mean, the, like talking about like drama and and people getting one upping one another in a scene and and holding the room and everything. I mean, they both they both play the scene really well. But you know, basically, Minato's the one who's like, you know, if, if we were ever doing a you know a scene in drama class, that'd be like point. You know, like basically, like I win. Like, point. You know, like you know, it's like Minato gets all the points at the end of that. It is funny that you mentioned Little Lord Fauntleroy in the uh, last uh, episode you were talking about because it's kind of what Mickey's turning into. He's turning into someone who thinks so highly of himself and his grand schemes that he doesn't see that slowly some things are starting to slip through his fingers. So yeah, yeah. But yeah, that was a really good scene. I enjoyed that. Minato really brought the brought the pain to Mickey's feel bads. However, while this is going on, we do have Red Yu. And she's actually kind of geeking out a little bit. And I don't mean that, and she's being a squealy fangirl, but she's kind of getting interested <laughs> in... Uh... <laughs> she's looking at hard drives and computer equipment and shit. Yeah, yeah, she's getting interested in Earth technology. <laughs> and she's basically like, you know, you know, here, Lord Rayoso, here is a way that we may maybe be able to revive the queen. Which, as we all know, that's like his main. That's his boner. He like wants to get that done. It's you. You talk about like the definition of a backhanded compliment because you know they the overlords constantly refer to humanity as you know a bunch of little monkeys and stuff like that. And and it's like one of those things where she's kind of like, hey, this this technology is pretty good for a bunch of little monkeys. You know, like this this could actually I could actually use this. Yeah. Yeah. Like, wow, this is pretty impressive for a bunch of dumbasses. And Rioso, Rocio, Rocio, I can never say his name. Uh, Silver King, man. We're going back to Silver King. Nice. Yeah. I know you, uh, yeah, that, that, that was a good call on you. Big Daddy Silver. <laughs> Big Daddy Silver. Yeah, that's what it was. Big Daddy Silver. Yeah. There we go. It, it's been a while, guys. Like I said, it's been a couple of months since we did this. Yeah, Big Daddy Silver. Anyway, she, she gets another little subordinate, Grinsha, to help her out. And Red Yu comes up to Michi. And, of course, Mitchie is, you know, kind of pissy. You know, he did just get his, you know, butt spanked by Mama Minato. Basically, he's uh, accepted her offer, you know, because, like, Red has been, like, you know, like Minato kind of poked Koda, you know, last episode. Red has been poking Mitchie, you know, to be like, you know, be my dude, you know, go for the, you know, go for the fruit. And, you know, he's like, you know what, fuck it, I want to do it. And, basically, she says that Big Daddy Silver will totally give up the forbidden fruit because... He don't give a shit really anymore. He is so bereft and and despondent over the loss of his queen. He doesn't care about the fruit anymore. He just wants his queen back. And that's kind of sad. You know, it actually makes you feel bad for Big Daddy's over. Yeah, I mean, I guess I guess the, the all every all the machinations of these guys are done with the understanding that that Big Daddy Silver is going to give up the golden fruit once if they figure out a way to restore his queen to him. But this sequence, I think, is interesting in terms of of Michi's arc, you know, his his sort of fall from grace or or however you want to refer to it as, because this is like the 
kind of like the Baltar moment. I mean, I, I know I mentioned it before, like that, you know, you, you get the vibe of Baltar in Battlestar Galactica when he comes in with, you know, all the invests and everything. And Redu, it's like, it's almost like Redu is his, his number six, you know what I mean? And he's, he's Baltar or something like that. But like yeah, yeah. this moment, like he officially becomes a collaborator because it's like that thing of like, uh, I, I think up until this point, he's like, well, I'll go along with this for now and see what happens. But in this, he's so butthurt over what happened that, that he knows things are slipping through his fingers, falling through the cracks and everything. And he's kind of like, well, look, if we do this thing, like, I, I'll be in charge of humanity. And he's like, and then, the, you know, Reggie's like, oh, but, but of course, like, yeah, you, you can take lovers, you can do whatever the fuck you want, you know, like, you, yeah, but just help me out with this. And and you'll be you know basically you'll you'll be my number two you know and and you'll you'll have your own little kingdom. To paraphrase a thing you started last night, he's all like, "That my girl, she gonna be there? Can I can I put my dick in her?" <laughs> I hate to interfere with all of your important work. Guess we'll just have to make history without you. Soon gonna be there. Can I can I put my dick in her? Yes, Victor, she'll be there. Clean yourself up, son. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Like that's that's well, because he gets that look in his eye where he's just kind of like, you know, when 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 Redu says, you know, you can take lovers, you can do whatever you want, and it's basically like she's she's playing him, you know, like a harp. Yeah. You know, it's like it's like and, and he's kind of, you know, totally going along with it at this point where he's like, all right, let's do this thing. Like, let's you know, basically at this point, he's he's a Nazi collaborator, you know, like at this point, he's he's, you know, like I, I was saying, like to me, I think of like Baltar from Battlestar Galactica. It's like, OK, cool. As long as I'm as long as I'm the, the, the guy in charge. You know, I'll I'll be your lackey as long as I can. You know, do do what it is that I want to do. How, how sad is it that Red U is better at being a Sith Lord than the actual Sith Lord in the prequels? <laughs> Good job, Red U. Yeah, pretty much as Derek said. You know, Mitchie has you know fallen in with like you know the Cylons more or less. You know, he's like, yeah, I want to help these guys. Fuck you guys. And we go back to Droopers, and we actually see Kaido. And we didn't get to see him that much last episode. I don't think at all. And Kodo and Kaito are talking about the Forbidden Fruit. Remember when I was saying that Reggie was geeking out over the technology? Well, she's on TV now. And <laughs> she used the computer systems from Brazil to hack all the broadcasts worldwide, not just in Zwane. And she's basically like, humanity, give it up. And if you do, you know, be my playthings. And, you know, well, you know, like she, she still looks down on humanity. She's not like, you know... I will be a great queen and rule over you justly. She's like, no, you'll be my little toys. But at least you won't die. But if you don't, I'm going to open up so many cracks across the planet that the Hellheim Forest will take it over in not five years, not ten years, but one year. The time scale has been dramatically shifted, Derek. <laughs> yes. So, yeah, this is not good. Not good at all. As Reggie does her... Cobra Commander sign off because she's done with her threat. She, you know, goes to Michi, and Michi is like, you know, still kind of. He's going back to his losing it mode again because, you know, he's like, you know, I think he's on the on the mind of like, you know, 
did Doctor Doom think of like destroy my world? Yeah, I want to take it over. He's not going to turn good yet. Don't worry, he's not going to help Reed save the world. But he's like, he's he's feeling frustrated. Well, I think I think he's he's kind of like you didn't give me a chance to like warm everybody up to the idea of collaboration. Like you just you know it's like now everybody's going to come and attack here, and and he's right. You know, basically like this is you know her her going on the air and and talking to the entire world is you know, basically put them on, you know, high alert, basically, to, to what's going on. Yeah, and if you're a hero, she's basically calling you out. And some of those guys, like Koda and Kaido, are, would be more than willing to come, you know, take that call. However, she has finished her machine for the, the queen. Koda and Kaido actually get found by Akira, amazingly enough. They don't find her, she finds them. She tells them they're still trapped in Zawame and are in danger, which I'm pretty sure they still knew i think she's talking about that specific group with that boy that she saved and and the 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 old man and those couple girls that were back at the warehouse that she left so i think that's that's what you know basically what she's referring to yeah i I won't give akira any harshness because she she is yon's favorite character in the series (laughs) (laughs) jupiter yeah (laughs) zach however Proving that he is definitely a Team Baron guy through and through. is fucking pissed about the whole TV interruption. Not just because, you know, he was watching World's Biggest Loser. He was like, you know, fuck this girl, you know, or guy. I don't know what he is. <laughs> and he runs off to Yigazuzo Tower, all of eyes lonesome. However, Junichi, I forget which one he is. Is he, is he Dale or is he Chip? He is Chip. Because Dale, Dale, was, Dale was the one who got turned into an invest. Yeah, yeah. I just, I just forget which one was which. <laughs> How could I? They're such <laughs> well-established characters. Come on, come on. Ship is the smart one. He's got glasses. Like, that's all you need to know. <laughs> exactly. And they're followed by Chip and Oren, Bravo. And there's more invested abducting people, you know, trying to take them and stuff. And the, these three turn into their rider forms and, you know, a good little fight scene. And Knuckle actually gives Grydon the Suita Luxie. Which, in case you forgot, that's the watermelon arms, Lockseed. And one of Derek's favorites. And it is kind of funny seeing... Uh, Grydon, by the way, is Chip. That's his armored rider name. And it is kind of funny seeing Chip... <laughs> well, it's like he can't really handle it. It's like he's just a big, giant watermelon, and he never transforms. And then they do this funny kind of slapstick thing where Bravo basically, like, swings him around, takes out a bunch of the invests, and then kind of throws him around like a bowling ball. So by the end of it, it's kind of like, you know, this kind of, you know, birds and clouds and, what you know, the Warner Brothers kind of, you know, he's disoriented after that whole expenditure. Yeah, it's funny because even though it is a humor scene, I did kind of get a chuckle out of it. It was still a cool fight scene, too. It's like proving that you can have comedy and a good fight, which I thought was kind of nice. So Yeah, yeah. That was, that was cool. Anyway, Akira is leading Koda and Kaito to the shelter she was talking about. And they uh, fight a big bunch of MBS led by the Grincha character who we were introduced earlier, who's like Red Yu's uh, newest little lackey. While they're fighting Grincha, he sees that Akira gets kidnapped. And after she uh, tries to save a boy from an MBES, and while that's while he's fighting the Overlord, you know, he's like, and obviously worried. That's, his, that's still his sister. He still needs to finish the fight because he's still in the middle of a battle. So, of course, he turns into Kiwami Arms because he needs the most power he can use and takes on Grincha. However, even though Kaito is helping him, you know, it's just not meant to be that easily done as Red Yu comes in and amazingly pretty impressively takes the measure of the Kwame Ale attack 
And that's like the first time we've ever seen Kiwami not really just beat the shit out of something, you know? Yeah, yeah. So, you know, like, Reju, definitely, she's definitely someone you don't want to underestimate. Anyway, she's, like, saying that the kidnapped people are not just being kidnapped because we're evil, ha, ha, ha. But they're actually using their, you know, soul or life energy or whatever. They're hooked up to a machine, and we're going to revive our queen. And if you guys follow us, don't forget what I said about, you know, opening all these cracks. So she's calling them out, but also putting them in a kind of a rock and a hard place situation. Yeah, I I mean, I, I, I think as this arc progresses, and I still don't know the answer to my question, so I'm not really spoiling this for anybody else, but... I, I'm in a constant state of fear for Kota's sister. Do you know what I mean? Like I'm like yeah. I'm like I don't I don't know what her final fate's gonna be. And and you know it's like she's basically getting the the Han and Carbonite treatment. And I don't know what happens in Return of the Jedi at this point. You know what I mean? So it's it's kind of like that thing where you're like, oh crap, you know. And 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 that was part of that moment where I think in any I, I don't know how to say this, but in, in certain films that we've seen, I would have been like, well, why don't you just bust out like the the really the most powerful armor now? Clearly, this is the time to do it. And what's funny is in this sequence, he kind of does, basically. I mean, you know, yeah, there's some there's some stuff going on. And it's like the lemon arms really isn't doing damage on that one guy. You know, it reminded me of being like in a video game, you know, playing a video game and being like, come on, die already, dude. I got to go do this thing. I got to go. <laughs> Save my sister. Like, stop giving me all this crap. But it's just like the guy's meter is so high and all this stuff you're doing to him isn't working. And it's like, okay, I got to use, I got to use, I got to use the, you know, Super Mario Life Star or whatever it is. Like, I got to, I got to use my special thing so I can just, you know, get away from this guy. Have you ever played those fighting games where um, you fight like a boss and he's got like a red power bar and you beat the crap out of him, beat the crap out of him, beat the crap out of him? Like, right at the very end of that red bar. Right when it goes down, he has a whole another yellow bar. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's that's what it felt like. These these overlord invest guys are like, you know, and and you're just like, oh man, like you know, it's like, come on, dude, and and of course now you've busted out like all your, you know, you, you've used all your super moves and everything in the in the fighting game, you know. Yeah, yeah, it's like your your power meters down, and you know, it's like when it comes crashing down and it hurts inside. We're we're not done yet because this is not the 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 final villain gloating it gets even it gets even worse i don't know if you guys remember this but i did drop this remark earlier for no reason remember when i said that the world doesn't give a shit about zombie city and their cow you know like have them left alone and they're not gonna like not only not help them get out but not help people get in well and i compare it to avengers where they said they were doing the same thing with new york and they were just like fuck it if we can't win nuke them yeah, that's what they decided to do here, too. They, uh, The whole world has decided that Zwame is a threat, not because of, the obviously, the citizens, but just because of the infestation. So a bunch of missiles are headed over to Zwame. Unfortunately for, you know, the military or the world powers, you know, British guy, Paris guy, and China guy, Big Daddy Silver has come onto the scene, and he's got Takatora with him. Takatora is not really there to do anything. He's just coming back from Helheim. And Big Daddy Silver's like, you know, I will help out Red you for helping me get my queen back. Freezes all the missiles and just turns them into ash. And basically, people, you know, like, are like, oh, shit, you know, like, there's nothing that can be done. And Mitchie, you know, he's watching this and being, you know, 
kind of, kind of a dickish thing to say, but I mean, from his eyes, I can kind of see it. He's like, yep, sign up with the Overlords was a good idea. <laughs> well, yeah, he's just sitting there because he, he gets, you know, he, the, the one of the ballistic missiles is headed right for his, his office penthouse, you know, and it, it freezes right in front. So he's basically like collapsed onto the floor. But when they dissipate, you know, thanks to Big Daddy Silver's use of the golden fruit, it's just like, you know, he's had another one of those lost it moments where he's just giggling to himself on the floor, kind of like... You know, I'm on the right side. I did it good. As far as this episode goes, you know, I, I went first last time. Why don't you give your pineapple rating first this time? I, I've been pretty generous this whole arc. Like, I don't, I don't think it's any surprise. But I, I couldn't. I don't know. I didn't find anything wrong with this. Like, I enjoyed it. I thought the the peril was perilous, and the 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 you know the sexy ladies with the short skirts were sexy. You know, like the fights were fun. You know, so I, I just gave it five. I give it five pineapples. I'm I'm into the arc, so I enjoyed myself. Nice. I would be swayed by your argument to make mine higher, but I'll stay by what I was still gonna originally rate it. I want to give it a four, which is definitely above average. I'm I'm not like you are wrong. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with this episode. No, no, no. I I think it's I think there's a little bit of taint to the fact that I've seen the entire series, so I know like and this is not a spoiler. Things are just going to get crazier. So this isn't the crazy level for me yet. You To you, this is the craziness level. This is like so much is going on, and this is like amazing. And I was that way when I watched it, you know, the first go around. But as we get in the later episodes, it's going to get crazier. So I think I'm trying to be a little. Uh, you're just being a little more reserved with with the pineapples you're handing out, is all. Like, but <laughs> yeah, 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 that's fine. But yeah, but this is definitely not a bad episode. Some of my favorite things about this. I did like the comedic fight with Orin and Chip. I thought that was really well done. I, I just like those two. They're they're comedy done right. It's like they're funny. They don't take up a lot of time, and you're not you're not really pissed off when they show up. You're not like, oh god, not these fucks. You're like, oh, that was funny. That was cute. And of course, you know, probably one of the the nicest things, which is Big Daddy Silver. Like you said, the peril was perilous. You know, like him destroying all those missiles. You're just like. You are, you know, like I said, even though it gets crazier as the show goes on, at that moment, you're like, they're not fucking around, are they? <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely not. And I mean, you know, obviously, like I said, I'm I'm super concerned for, for Coda's sister, and it wasn't like this craziness of like, dude, why don't you just turn into like the most powerful form you have? Because it's like, they did, and they were still having trouble kicking these guys' ass. So I went, okay, look, I, to me, I'm like, I understand. They, they did, they put forth their best foot, but their best foot was still kind of inconsequential to this golden fruit power. And, and even like you were saying, just Redu's ability to sort of cancel out some of their, their, you know, finishing moves and stuff. So it's like, well, okay. Like they, they, you know, our heroes definitely seem like they're at an impasse here where, you know, shit is getting real. So, you know, that, that I, I enjoyed that part of it. Yeah. Yeah. It was definitely a good episode. And like I said, you know, like I said, four is better than three and a half and three and a half is still good. So, I honestly, they probably will keep going up in the ratings because, like you, I do enjoy this arc overall, and even just the first part is really fun. So that was indeed episode thirty-four. Which leads us to episode 35, 
And guess who this episode is mostly about? Because it's called Mitchie's Ark. It's it's all about Noah and the two-by-two two animals that he puts in the ark. That's right. It's uh, Russell Crowe. He's back. Um, <laughs> nice. Back and better than ever before. Again, this, this arc, and of course, you know, since it is technically, as a whole, the last arc, even if it is the first part, things are going to go pretty quick because, you know, we're building to a big finale. So we're right into it right after Big Daddy Silver, you know, destroyed the missiles. And he's like, you know, Takatora, you may go. And again, talk about fucking backhanded compliments that keep coming up. He's like, it is your duty as a leader, you know, saying he's a great man, to make sure that you're with your people until they die. <laughs> Damn. It's that thing of, oh, you're the captain of the ship? Well, now you get to watch the ship sink. You know, like, that's your that's your final duty as the captain of this ship called Planet Earth is to basically watch it go down in flames, you know? And, and you're just kind of like, oh, well, you know, yeah, there there is that kind of, like, ouch thing to it. Yeah, yeah, just like, ah, that stings. However, Reggie was still with Guy and Baron. However, she got pretty much what she wanted. You know, she wanted, like, the missiles gone, and she's more interested in other things. So she takes off, and this leaves Gaim and Bedon to resume their fight with Grinsha. And Gaim, you know, after not being ineffectual, but after, you know, getting nerfed the last episode because he fought somebody stronger than him, we do get a return to status, and he does finish off Grinsha, which, you know, I think that was something that needed to be done. You know, we had to show that Gaim is still powerful. It's just that there's others more powerful, you know? Yeah, well, that 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 was that instance of he was having a tough time with them last episode. So it's like, that. I mean, it's like one of those things where you can, you know, I, I guess at this point, like you're saying, he does have the, he is on the final bar, you know, and he can, yeah. you know, make a difference this time. Yeah, exactly. And again, he uses the DJ gun, so, you know, wah, wah. <laughs> I really gotta get you one of those. I was gonna get you one for Christmas. I just can't find one. They're like, look. Um, <laughs> if I had a real DJ gun, you know how many fucking people I would totally DJ all the hell? It's probably dangerous. <laughs> That'd be a good idea. However, back at Yggdrasil Tower, Akira is being held along with Rice and Rat, a couple of the uh, beat writers. Like the dance crew, not the actual writers, you know. Big Daddy Silver has returned to the forest, and he decides to go pretty much with Red Hue's plan. You know, he's like, yeah, you know what? I am going to open up a bunch of cracks all over the world. Sounds good. So, like, oh, it's, yeah, like I said, the stakes keep getting higher and higher. You know, last episode, it was just a threat, and now it's happening. And, I mean, that's the thing about Big Daddy Silver. He is cool. I, like, me and Derek, we're, we're kind of secret fanboys of him, but he's he's... Is his love for his queen? He's just like I give no shits what I have to do, and that makes him terrifying, you know. Yeah, I, I see what you're saying. Like the, I think the power he has can be terrifying, like you know. But it, but it also yeah. seems like it's this thing that all these people are vying over it. I think it's more terrifying, basically. Like maybe it's hindsight from having seen the whole series, but like you know, part of me kind of wonders, like if. Like, why Why do they believe him? Like, j just because he says he's going to give the golden fruit to you after you restore his queen? Like, what's to stop him from just being like, thanks, dude, that was awesome. And then he just, like, fucking wipes him out of existence. You know, and now I got my queen back, you know, because you guys are, like, slinky, slimy fucks anyway. You know, like, if he doesn't give two shits about 
who is hurt bringing his queen back. Like, why would he give two shits about basically wiping out the people who restored his queen and keeping the power for himself? You know, like, I, when, I don't know. That's that. I have cake and eat it too, right? Yeah, yeah. You know, like that's kind of that's kind of why I was like, I mean, I get, I guess, in that sense, like maybe I, I agree with you, but, but more in a skeptical way. You know, like not so much that I'm terrified of him, but it's like one of those things where it's like, okay, your, your evil plan is to break out this guy who's much more powerful than you, team up with him, and somehow you're both gonna rule the world. It's like, come on, like what? are you you know like what did you think was going to happen like you know like of course he's going to blow you up like i don't know that's and and, and by the way when i said me and you're both kind of secret fanboys about him it's not because he's a cool guy he's obviously kind of fucked up in the head and everything but he's just really neat looking he's a neat looking monster (laughs) i mean he's neat looking and and i i loved when he totally took out cherry arms you know like i i liked when he took out sid so i mean yeah i mean I, i don't think that's a lie to say i'm a fanboy of big daddy silver you know yeah, <laughs> just a little little introspective of uh, Big Daddy Silver. However, of course, Coda does learn that there's going to be cracks opening up all over the world. And, of course, Coda being Coda. That, that's going to be my tagline for this series, Coda being Coda. He goes into the tower to confront the overlords and, of course, to save his sister. You know, in a nice chain to... Like, I like how they switch up the teams a lot. We have Minato and Kaito accompany him. Because I don't think this threesome has ever been. I've seen, you know, like, Minato and Koda, Kaito and Minato, Kaito and Koda. But I don't think, have you ever seen these three team up? I don't think so, because my, my first thought when I saw it was, hey, originally my thinking was, if if I did buy figure arts of other characters, like, Minato would be fighting against Gaim. But now I'm like, I can put her next to Gaim, and they'd be like... <laughs> friends you know what i mean so it's like it's like blowing my my conceptions on on how to arrange figures that i haven't bought yet but yeah that that was totally going through my head when i was when i was seeing that because i'm all oh this is kind of cool because they haven't i mean you know yeah we had that sort of avengers moment at the end of the last arc but this is this is kind of like oh look it's you know it's it's cap and widow and falcon you know all going off to team up in some (laughs) other movie you know and you're kind of like oh okay cool it's you know it's Kaito and Kota and Minato, and and you're like, oh yeah, that is kind of the first time they've they've sort of gone off on a little excursion together and everything. Yeah, orange shoulder. Anyway, <laughs> on their way inside the uh, tower to see by Takatora. However, you have to remember, even though Takatora doesn't have like, uh, as far as we know, any malice towards Kota, he's not sure about Minato. He doesn't know if she's still working with Ryoma, so he doesn't say anything. He doesn't, you know, confront them when they get into the tower. They uh, see that all the entrances are guarded by Invest, and they can't seem to find any way in. Even, like, some of the secret routes don't seem to work. So, you know, Coda's like, hey, I got a dude. He's, last time he keeps, the last three times he keeps showing up, he says he'd be scouting the tower. So, you know, let me ask Michi. Both Kaido and even Minato, now, and this first time she's ever really spoken up, they're both like, dude, Michi's an asshole. He's going to betray you, you know. Lakota still believes in his friend. I think that was an interesting moment that Minato even decided to step up. Well, I mean, you know, Minato and and Kaito both kind of were giving each other glances through this whole arc, like, especially when Michi... When Michi first came back, it's like, is this the time? Like, are we going to tell them all that he's he's a treacherous, you know, traitor type person? And and you know, Kaito is still of that mindset. Look, they're not going to believe until they see it with their own eyes. And coming from us, it's not going to mean anything. And and I see his point. But it's starting to get to the point where it's ridiculous, where you're like, hey, guess what? Guess guess who's going to help us? It's Michi, you know. And it's just kind of like. 
you know, you, you basically it's like everybody knows, but the person who's you know making the yeah. declaration, and it's just like <laughs> as the watcher, you're like really <laughs> in, in that room. It's just kind of like you know everybody's sighing and going, "Look, like dude, like we need to have a talk, you know, like we need to sit down and discuss this," and 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 that's kind of the the moment that that she's at where she's like, "Look." Like, you know, I, I've seen, you know, his true nature firsthand and, and it's not what you think. And, and, and Kota, I guess, is still in that, you know, th- that's kind of slanderous. Like, I don't I don't believe this and stuff like that. And, you know, it, it, again, what what Kaito is saying sort of holds true because he's he's ridiculously loyal, you know, like and 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 I don't say that as a pejorative. Do you know what I mean? Like, I mean, there's. There, there's points where you're like, you know, loyalty is is a valued trait, but at the same time, it's that thing of it, it makes it so much more worse because he he really has sort of betrayed his friends and they don't even realize it. Yeah, there's loyalty, then there's blind loyalty where you believe in something that you shouldn't be loyal to, and it's just like you're kind of going too far with it, dude. I mean, I know you believe you're doing the right thing, and I've I value your convictions, but he's he's doing stuff. He's totally doing stuff. Speaking of doing stuff, we go back to the tower, and Rice and Rat, two of the dancers, have been brought to Mitchy, And he's like, you know what, dudes? You're my friend. You know, he's playing the, the, the good guy thing. Uh, not really. He's being kind of kind of slimy about it. And he's like, you're my friend. You know, and like, I made a deal with the overlords. I was save your life and i get to choose like just because i get to choose who gets to be spared you know for helping them out and you know he, he makes it it's very ominous how he said he doesn't say it like you know I, I made it sound too friendly he was he's more like you know like i have saved you you know it's like because i made a deal with the overlay he's like he's like almost fishing for a compliment like you know look what i did you know i'm awesome you know <laughs> Because he wants he wants people to follow him. He wants people to like like you said, if you're my friend, do what I want, and then we'll still be friends. You know, he's wanting these people to do what he wants. And he's like, I'll give you a bone. I won't kill you, so follow me. <laughs> yeah, th- this is that kind of moment in the the collaboration where it it's like he's still trying to preserve his former life. You know, trying to keep those things that made him happy so he's basically it seems like okay he's got rika and rat you know and it's like okay look like look look at what a good person i am you know i've i've plucked them from from potential doom and all this other stuff but i mean there's a price to that you know what i mean it's like it's kind of interesting because even though you know mitchy's whole deal is a friend is somebody who does what i want you know it it's interesting because there's there's always going to be a price to friendship. You know what I mean? Like, I mean, you know, it's like th- there's always going to be some kind of price to it. And like in, in the case of Mitchie, it's like, OK, well, you know, M- Mitchie may save you from these overlords. But the price is like you're kind of at his beck and call under his thumb. You know, you have to do what he wants, basically. Right. Otherwise, then, then you yeah. become persona non grata, and then the next thing you know, an overlord sticking you in a test tube and taking all your energy to bring back a queen or whatever, you know. So it's 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 kind of like this this sort of faux giving, you know, because if you if you don't play the game, then then you don't you don't live, you know, kind of. So yeah, I mean, there's, yeah, yeah. I I see what you're saying, where it's it's kind of like you're like, okay, well, yeah, he's. He's saving them from a fate worse than death, but then again, it's just another fate worse than death 
that they're transposed into in a way. Yeah, exactly. It's like he's 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 giving them a choice, but neither choice is really that great. <laughs> you know, it's like do this or do this. Both kind of suck. So yeah, it's pretty pretty bad times for Rika and Rat. While this is going on, and you know, Mitchy, you know, I, I think this is also a, a moment for Mitchy himself to have like his time to shine. Like you know, like ah, I'm still an evil bastard. I may not be able to win a fight, but I can still do my machinations and do my shit, which is cool. I mean, you know, you kind of want to see that. During this, Reggie turns on the machine to revive the queen, and my, you know, happens to be oh, looking around for food during this, you know brief little scene with Reggie. We cut to Mai, and she's looking around for food. And Mitchie appears before her. And, you know, they have a little talk, and Mitchie pretty much comes clean. You know, it's like, I joined the Overlords. But, you know, unlike Rika and Rat, there's a little bit more, like, earnest in this, because he wants, like, Mai to, you know be with him, you know, like, not just, I'm not, he's, he's not taking the whole thing of, like, I saved you, you know, follow me, it's like, kind of like, you know, join me, and we will rule the galaxy, that kind of thing. Well, you, you know what it is, he, he wants her to willingly choose him over Kota, and even yeah. when Kota's not there, she doesn't choose him over Kota, and then, and then on top of that, you know, to add insult to injury, from Mitchie's point of view, like, this is what I was getting at earlier, where, you know, it's like, oh, I've made this deal with the overlords, and we'll all be safe, and I'll be in charge, but it'll be fine, like, just come with me, and we'll be the the the, the elite, the special few, the 1% to not get destroyed in this onslaught on our planet, and, and I want you to be part of that, you know, be by my side, you know, be my queen in this, basically. And and she's kind of like, wait, so you made this deal, like, what's the deal? Like, like well, if all these other people are going to get hurt, then Kota wouldn't stand for it. And eventually... You know, she she does the unthinkable, the no-no, where she's like, well, you're just a lackey of the overlords. And then at that point, it's like the Kill Bill music comes on, you know, and it's like, you know, she's the <laughs> you know, it's just like he's he's totally gone now because it's like and, 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 you know, visually, it's also very cool the way they do it, because now he's in that dark pinstripe suit that traditionally Takatora would run around in. So it's like he's. Yeah. You know, you, you you can visually see how he's not just either a little student kid in a white sweater or whatever, or in his little teen gaim costume. It's like now he's he's full on, you know, in in his you know charcoal pinstripe suit and and basically like the you know you know blackened like his heart, you know, or whatever. You know, I mean, it's it's kind of you know on the nose, but but I think it's it's well done the way they sort of display it and everything yeah he goes into boss mode you ever seen dr horrible sing-along blog yeah 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 it's kind of like at the end when neil patrick harris has the red coat on and puts on the goggles you know he's like you know now i am fully evil you know it's like right right yeah yeah it is, it is pretty cool you know he does he does fully give in to his not just his dark side but he embraces it instead of just you know using it however rika and rap they you know were freed so they, you know, sneak around and they're trying to break Akira free from the machine. And, you know, they are a bit player, so who knows how, you know, you know, good that's going to go. Especially when Red U comes in. Yeah, I'm, I'm kind of worried because I still don't know the answer to that. So I'm like, oh, no. Yeah, they cliffhanger you on that one pretty good. I think with Mai and Michi, though, the way it ends is kind of like, 
you know, Maya's kind of like, well, the reason I'm, you know, on Kota's side, the reason why I'm still with Kota basically is because he gives people hope and, and I have hope. And it just seemed like Michi's response to that is, well, that's so fragile. I can easily crush that. No big deal. You know, like that's kind of his solution to it. So it's like, I mean, that's that's another thing where, you know, not only is he now a collaborator, but in order to facilitate his success at collaboration, he's going to start, you know, going around and, and crushing people's, you know, hope so that 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 he can, you know, ba- basically it, it's kind of like it's almost like, oh, you won't come with me willingly. So I'll make you desperate enough to have to come with me. And that's. You know, I mean, that's kind of, I, I yeah, I don't know. I mean, to to me, I guess I'd, I'd fall back on that weird, you know, kind of thing of of well, how honorable is that? You know, and and it's not like Mitchie's in any place that he's going to be honorable, but it's like, it, it's kind of like that notion of did you really win the fight? Like, did you really have you really gained what you wanted if you? You know, basically, it's kind of like, you know, it's like uh, you ask a girl on a date. She says no. And then you move on with your life as opposed to you ask a girl on a date. She says no. You ruin her entire life so that she has no one to turn to but you. (laughs) And it's like, did you did you really want to do it that way? Like, is that really a victory? Like, I I don't know. Like, but in Mitchie's case, like, that's the place he's in, you know, like that's sort of that dark place that he's willing to sort of go to just to get really good boyfriend material. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and it's like, yeah, he just, he, and like you said, you know, especially like, you know, if you're a person, let's say we're not mine, let's say we're not, you know, Rika and Rat, you know, somebody did that even if they were your friend, and I mean, I'm, I'm taking this to the utmost extreme level, but this is kind of an extreme situation as far as their universe, that'd be like if your friend was just like, by the way, I just want to let you know, it's 1941, I've decided to join Hitler, now he's going to let me let you live, you just got to follow me. You know, you're right, going to be like, right. your, your, your boss is a dick. No. <laughs> it's like, it, it's fine. You, you'll you be okay. It's just all the handicapped people, all, all the gypsies, all the Jews, all anybody that Hitler decides is going to go into that concentration camp is going. But as long as, as long as you're with me, you'll be cool. You know, and it's just kind of like, you know, that's, yeah, I mean that's essentially what what is going on now. I mean he's he, he is a full on collaborator with with the enemy. Yeah, so yeah, he's definitely he's definitely throwing his hat to a certain side. He's not playing his cards to his chest anymore. Yeah, and like I said, we do have the cliffhanger with Red and Rika and Rat. We do cut from that, and we go to Koda, and he's hanging out with Minato and Kaito at Droopers. They soon take off. They kind of go over what happened during the day and you know plans for saving Akira. And Takatora has been kind of spying on Koda. And like I said earlier, he didn't want to approach him because he wasn't sure which side Minato was still on. And he's like, okay, they're gone. I'm going to do this. I felt super bad for Takatora this whole time because he's like totally trying to get that right moment where he feels like it's safe to talk to Koda. And it's like, oh, oh, wait, Minato's there. And then this other guy, you know, you know, oh, oh, Kaito's there. Okay, wait, can't do it now. Can't do it. Gotta, gotta play it close. Gotta be safe. Yeah. And then it's like, it's like, okay, now, now he's finally alone. Oh, oh, damn it! Now M- Michi's coming in to see him. Like now, I can't fucking talk to him again. You know, like so. It's like I kind of felt yeah. bad for him the whole time. He's just trying to find his moment, and yeah, he it's can't fucking do it. I just want to talk. Yeah, it is. It is kind of frustrating and and like you know, kind of sad. You're like, damn, dude, he's just trying to do the right thing. Koda and Michi go to talk and. 
again, there's a lot of moments in this series. We've had a couple already. We're going to have more later on. Shit gets real. Mitchie's like, you know, Coda, here's what's going on. And, you know, and unlike the Maya conversation where he starts off, you know, kind of nice, he pretty much gets pissed off almost immediately. Like, they talk for a few seconds. But Coda keeps saying the things that push Mitchie's buttons, and he's just like, you know, it's like, Coda, what do you think you're doing? That's so right. You know, you can't save these people. You know, only I can. I'm, you know, fucking Mitchie, bitch, you know? And he's like, he's <laughs> I'm Mitchie, really bitch. It's all Dakota. <laughs> You know, you know what? Like, I, I, I probably would let this slide because it's just part of the story. But I, I have to admit, there, there is a little... I have to suspend my disbelief in that sequence where I get that he's... Like, the, the only way I can rationalize it is Kota's is so in shock that Michi, who he considers one of his best friends, is physically assaulting him that he just doesn't do anything. But, like, I have to admit, I did kind of laugh where I'm like, dude he's a skinny little shit. You're going to let him like, you know, drop kick you and all this other shit. Like, I'm like, come on, man. Like, and then, and then on top of that, I'm kind of like, is it really going to hurt that much? Like, he's just a skinny little dude. Like, I'm 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 like, there can't be that much force behind that, that roundhouse kick. Balsa wood at a door. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. You know, I'm kind of like, it can't be that, uh, you can't hurt that bad. (laughs) I I think it's more insulting blows. Just like, you know, I'm kicking you. I'm kicking you. Well, it's kind of it's thing. not yeah. To, I, I I guess you could rationalize it as it's it's also an emotional kick to the face too because it's sort of a a betrayal of their friendship or whatever. Like you know, it, it, it's that moment. Like I don't know. I I feel weird because I feel like I've had that moment with people that I thought were my friends, and then they totally like unload on you and and say something that you had no idea that they thought, and and it's just very mean and hurtful because all they think about is themselves. <laughs> You know, like Derek, so. Derek hanging out with like his best friend is like, "Hey, Derek, just want to let you know, yeah, what's up, Jeff? Your girlfriend's a bitch. I don't think we can be friends anymore." <laughs> what? Yeah, yeah, she's totally a bitch. Then all you just hear is just soda. <laughs> That's why I was like, "You can't give me the DJ guy," because then I'll just be like, "No, no." But I, I'm just, I'm, I'm trying to be serious about like the the emotional devastation something like that could cause. Yeah. No, you, no, I agree. If, yeah, if, yeah. You, if you really think that somebody was a good friend of yours and then and then they say things that are just to to you inconceivable like you you, you, you their philosophies are so divergent and then and then it's like Michi was playing his cards to his chest this whole time and never had that conversation like there it, it's not it's not like he eased him into it like whereas it's not like it's like okay we're going to collaborate and we're going to ease you into it and oh and by the way instead of like saving people we're actually going to like stick them in concentration camps and let them get <laughs> you know let their energy get sucked out for for Big Daddy Silver's Queen and 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 sort of massage like all these horrible things that are going to happen. No, it's just sort of like full on like this is what's happening now. You're a dumbass. Like everything about yeah. you is stupid. And uh, oh, and by the way, like I'm gonna like you know kick you upside the head because you're that stupid. You know, and it's like that kind of thing is just. I mean, if Kota was the Kota he was, you know, in episode, you know, one through four, I mean, that that's the kind of thing that might have somebody curl up into a little ball and not want to trust yeah, him. He might be home with his milk bottles again, yeah. You know? <laughs> like, like that kind of thing, you know, but but I think, you know, I'm, I'm hoping that that is not what happens in this case, but but it is it is unfortunate, you know, it, it is it is one of those things yeah. that like is a sad thing because you're like, well, you know, you I, I guess it's just 
it's that that total lack of of understanding of what what his friendship was actually worth if that makes any sense you know like that 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 yeah. the, the kind of friend that Kota was to him and the kind of loyalty that he engendered in in himself and giving to other people it's like if you don't realize that he was always on your side until you did this you know like I, yeah i don't know like it's just kind of hopeless so yeah I, I would i would liken it this is not nearly as emotional but i mean kind of sort of it's kind of like in wrestling because everybody knows i'm a big wrestling fan it's kind of like when a guy you like who's like a good guy wrestler does a full heel turn and just does something horrible you know in your gut you know like like i would be coda i would be like dude, why'd you do that? You know, I like you. You're supposed to be good. You know, I was like, I believed you. You're my hero and stuff. And they do a heel turn and you're just like, fuck, motherfucker. You know, I was like, no. Yeah, I, I think even in, in terms of, it doesn't necessarily have to be wrestling, but I mean, it could be in terms of people that you look up to, too. You know, it's like, it's like you know, whether it's like a celebrity or, or a parent or a teacher or, you know, a uh, uh, a politician or whatever, you know, like any, any of those people. And it, it's just like going from a state of having unquestioning faith in, in that personage. And then, uh, you know, and then you see the, you know, the, the, the tell all videotape where it's like, Oh, what an idiot you voted for me. Or, you know, what an idiot, you know, you, you know, you went and saw my movie or what an idiot you went and, you know, whatever. And then at that point you feel like, you know, backstabbed and stuff. Jared from Subway, you broke my heart. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Yeah, so that that does happen. And and to kick it up another notch, not only is it more of a verbal and, and kind of a slappy fight, you know, insult, at the end of the episode, Mitch is just like, I'm turning into Zengatsu, fuck you. And he, you know, armors up and he's getting ready to basically try to kill Coda. I mean, that's what he wants. Coda finally, you know, I guess it kind of breaks into his head. We don't know yet because he's not fighting, but he turns into Gaim, and there's just a standoff. And the only thing we see is Takatora, his brother, and this man that he's come to have faith in, who he thinks is a good person, you know, having a standoff. And he's just like, fuck, you know? So, damn, what an ending on that. Yeah, yeah, it was a great episode. Yeah, I'm... I'm going to give this one like a 4.5. I'm going to say out of the gate, this was really good, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, well, I, I don't think I've sugar-coated how I felt about this arc so far. I mean, I'm I'm sort of handing them out like they're candy, but I, I enjoyed this. I don't see anything wrong with this episode. I think the the descent for Michi continues. It's well done. It's believable. It's got a lot of punch to it. So I, I gave it 5 out of 5 pineapples. Hey, nothing wrong with that. Hey, uh, dude, man, I, I got you to watch this, and you like originally weren't that interested, but you kind of got into it, and I'm happy you're enjoying it this much. I mean, you're you're pretty much watching it like I watched it. Yeah, I think I think I have that built in. I, I don't know what the word is, but it, it it just seems like a lot of anime, a lot of Japanese series, when it starts to wind down, you know, when it starts to get to the nitty gritty in the end, it's just like a lot of that stuff is always fun. And and this, you know, we've talked about this before, and it's why we moved to discussing the arcs of the series. It's just everything sort of flows really quickly, and you you get very engaged and and you can't help but want to go to the 
the the subsequent episodes. So, I mean, my my tell that I like the episodes is I'm not busy jotting down tons of notes about them. I'm just enjoying them. And in this case, you know, it was just like, damn, this is like the big time he reveals like <laughs> what a douchebag he is to Coda, you know. And and I mean, that's all I really wrote down about it. But I mean, there's a lot to say, you know, like, but. But it's, it's yeah. I so I was so engaged, I was so engrossed. It's like I I was just sort of focused on the actual episode and and hanging on you know pins and needles you know waiting to see what was going to happen next. So I I can't pay it any more higher compliment than that. Yeah, yeah, it it, it stuck with you. You weren't worried about talking about it because it's all really not only fresh in your mind but it's stuck in your mind because you enjoyed it. So yeah, definitely, very cool. Zongets. メロンエナジー。よく。お、仕事。天心。メロンエナジーよ。仮面ライダー残月。神。ドラックス。ギャラシュドライバー。さらにユニットは戦国ドライバーに勝った。勝ち持ちからば。ミックス。トーツに。
Not looking too good for Team Gaim. Or the beat riders. Yeah, well, Redu, Redu was yeah. kind of like, I, I'm not done with you. I don't want my... Basically, I mean, he doesn't say this out loud, but it's like, you, nobody's going to break my favorite toy until I'm finished playing with it, is basically the rationale of what, what goes down there. You know, he, he zooms in, you know, knocks around Baron, and then, you know, basically, you know, does a ninja banish with a puff of smoke, and, you know, when everybody looks back up, you know, him and Michi are nowhere to be seen. So yeah, no winners, but definitely, like I said, it, I would side with Redu and you know, Mitchie taking the uh, TKO on that one. They got the technical knockout. We go back to the uh, guy in the garage, and you know it's it's like imagine how bad it is for Coda not to not only get betrayed by his friends, but you know Mai is still like even though she talked to Mitchie, she's just like she couldn't believe that Mitchie attacked Coda that he has gone that far. You know, and it's just like, it's like even worse. It's an interesting sequence because even despite everything that Mitchie's done, it seems like Kota and Mai are still almost in denial or staunchly defending him to a point. Whereas everyone else is, is, is much more, they, they've gotten past the denial stage and they're in like the, you know, the, the other stage of grieving, they're in, like, the anger stage where, you know, Chip's sitting there going, God damn it, you know, and punching, like, walls and stuff. And he knew this this whole fucking time, you know, like, that kind of stuff. And, and, and you know, this is the first moment where, I mean, a, a lot of the seeds that were planted in the even the very first episode, like, this is the first time people are realizing that Takatora and Michi are brothers, you know, that he was associated with Yggdrasil almost the entire time they knew him, you know, like things like that. So like all this stuff is is coming to the forefront and is made aware to basically the the entire cast. It's not just a select yeah. group. You know, it's not it's no longer just, you know, Kaito and, and Minato that are sort of in the loop and giving each other glances and looks about what a douchebag Michi is it's like now it's like this is this is common public knowledge amongst the beat writers yeah it's like the second second tier armored writers the dancers like everybody you know yeah, like yeah it's out yeah the, the the bad news is out and while they're you know pretty much trying to it's almost like a debriefing uh, a very emotional debriefing Tactor learns out that you know Rama pretty much took control and what happened to Yggdrasil after that, you know, how he put into his plan, you know, like, I'm going to do this. Finding this out, he decides that Minato, at least for now, as far as he could tell, is on their side. And he's like, you know what, you know, we're cool, you know, like, you know, I, I forgive you or we're, we're good. And, you know, it's just, it's, it's such an emotional scene. Uh, Koda takes off during this, you know, he takes off because of the, you know, the, uh, disbelief you know he just like he can't handle it. he's gotta get some air and stuff and Takatora finally catches up with him and they finally get to have that talk that he's been trying to have with him for you know two episodes yeah and he, he tells him about how him and Michi like they didn't really have parents you know like Takatora might have but he had to pretty much raise Michi alone I really had like this strong like Norman Osborn, Peter Parker vibe from that scene. I mean, it's it's like, and obviously it's like, uh, you know, in this sense, you know, Norman Osborn would have to greatly redeem himself to get to this point. But but they th there is that weird notion of, you know, 
my little brother is now a crazed collaborator psychopath and and you know clearly you are the world's last best hope you know kind of thing in kota and and they kind of have that conversation where he's like you know if you had been if you had been michi's brother he wouldn't have turned out crappy like he did like this is kind of my fault and you know kota's kind of like no you're blaming yourself like this is not you know, th- this isn't your fault, and, and and maybe Mitchie's still, you know, Kota's still sort of in denial about it, like that he can still maybe bring him back to the good side, where he's like, you know, it, it, he just he, maybe he's being manipulated by the overlords and this and that, and we can we can turn him around and all that other stuff. So he's still sort of got that that hope that I think Takatora sort of is is in awe of or or the hope you know the sense of hope that that takatora you know kind of idolizes you know like where he's like oh this is why kota's the person he is because he he has that never-ending well of you know sort of thinking the best of people yeah and and especially you know you said that like one of the things you like is how they keep these characters developing and takatora has gone from a kind of cold, like precise business guy who's like, you know, lethal fighter to this guy who had his whole world pretty much, you know, like his personal world, like destroyed, you know, his brother's evil now. And he got shown the truth of like the invest and the Helheim forest and the, you know, the forbidden fruit. And you genuinely feel like this guy is like, you know, trying to atone for his sins, but he doesn't fucking know how now. Well, the the other thing is every, everything he tried to do has sort of blown up now. So there's not a whole lot he's got left going for him. I mean, his his brother, you know, potentially could have succeeded him, and now his brother cannot do that. You know, his company was supposedly supposed to save you know a portion of humanity, and that of course is out the window. You know, like like based on at the actions of Rioma and this Invest invasion and all this other stuff. So I mean, there's not a whole lot for him to to cling on to as far as his original game plan. This is a guy who's had his entire game plan, you know, the rug sort of pulled out from under him, and now he's sort of re... You know, he, he, he's... he's I, I don't know if it's so much about redemption, but he, he has a lot of regret in, in what was done, and, and he's kind of rethinking, you know, I mean, that that's the whole point of him starting as being this force where he beats the hell out of Kota, and then he comes to basically respect him and see him as an ally and maybe, you know, their last best hope for, for success, you know, because that's that's another sort of 180-degree turn in, in his character arc. Yeah. Yeah, and, and don't get me wrong, just because I say he's like obviously feeling down. I mean, who wouldn't at this point? They would be a little beaten up. He's not giving up, though. He does go back to the uh, Kirishima house, you know, the house him and Michi lived in. And he goes and gets his old Sengoku driver and the melon lock seed. That's the very first one. That's when he was just Zangetsu, not Zangetsu Shim. So he's not giving up, you know, and I, I give credit to that. You know, he could have just been like, oh, I can't do it. But no, he's, he's not giving up. During this, Reju is with Michi and, you know... <laughs> Reggie is such a bitch. She's like, you know, killing people you trust to betray their trust is an exciting feeling, isn't it? Just goading him and just pushing him, you know, just like, you know, you like it, don't you? <laughs> well, it's weird. You can see Mitchie has maybe the the last vestiges of Mitchie's conflict, you know, is he, he turns to Redu 
and says, you know, do you have family? Like, and, and, and you know, Ritter's like, oh, you mean like siblings or, or offspring or, you know, stuff like that. And, 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 and it's almost like, well, yes. And those were the first people I killed, you know, like, like yeah, th- yeah. those were the first people I got rid of. And, and she goes into like the pleasure and joy she took out of seeing their betrayed faces. Do you know what I mean? Cause that was the last thing that they expected. And, 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 and then it's like, Mitchie's kind of reflecting on Coda's face and, and, and his brother's face and, and all these things. And, and at that point it's just kind of like, Oh, well now you're just going to, sort of continue that, you know, notion. I mean, as, as being, you know, as Michi sort of like a reflection for Redu, you know, like, or or vice versa, you know, and it's like now he's sort of mentoring under her tutelage. So it's like now he's, he's going to sort of carry out those things and and take some kind of twisted pleasure in, in, in killing his own, uh, own brother. Yeah. uh, uh, Prompting that. He is contacted by Takator on the individual computer network, and Takator is just like, meet with me, I, you know, we, we need to talk, you know, or at least confront each other. Koda, he's been trying to, after their talk, he was worried about Takator, because Takator kind of left, you know, obviously, impulsively, you know, he's like, he's wanting to fix this, or at least do what he can, and he's looking for Takator, and he can't find him, and, you know, they, you know, with him gone, can't, you know, like, do their plan to save the citizens of Zuwami, you know, and they need Takator. And Katatora meets up with Michi and it's again really fucking real. <laughs> and he's like, you know, he's like, you're just like my shadow. And just everything I did that I should have done better, that I did wrong, you know, is reflected on you. You're talking about like Reggie and Michi maybe being a mirror for each other. Katatora is like, you know, you're my darker, you know, mirror image. You've, you've done everything that I did wrong and embraced it and just like taking it to the like nth degree, you know, you're. You're trying to be like me. You're trying to be like me, but you've made you've turned into a worse version of me. Which, damn, that would have to hurt, you know, to hear that be said. Yeah. Even yeah. if you are evil, you know. <laughs> like, yikes! Like, lots of verbal smackdowns on poor Mitchie. No wonder he's a little bit crazy. But yeah, after this, Mitchie, like Mitchie, he he's emotional, but you you can tell he's he's not the same Mitchie who would be like you know like you know Takator, be my brother, you know we should be together. No, he's 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 pissed. He's like, you know, I'm gonna, I'm gonna end you. The only way I can be Zangetsu Shin if there's not a Zangetsu around. And they both transform and they start fighting. Pretty brutal fight. This kind of reminds me of like, you know, we we were talking about Star Wars very, very briefly. But like, even though this is still more choreographed, obviously, it did kind of remind me of that like last fight in The Force Awakens where it's very brutal. They're they're not trying to do flashy ending moves. They're trying to hurt. Well, Mitchie especially. Coda. I mean, not Coda. Takator is trying to defend himself and not trying to hurt his brother, but Mitchie is trying to kill him. Like and yeah, and 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 Mitchie's clearly got a lot of emotional investment in it. You know, he's angry and and fed up, and he's he's sort of unleashing all that anger on on his brother. You know, like he, he's almost blaming him. You know, like you you know he, he flashes on some of the beginning episodes and you know th- those those are some things that that Takatora reflected on and and realized you know when he's at the the Karishima home you know oh you must have hated me back then and all this other stuff yeah. but at this point i mean he can't he can't abide what his brother's turned into i mean they they have the conversation i mean you know you talk about like verbal smackdowns and things that hurt you know i mean Takatora's whole thing this whole time has been the noblesse oblige you know and like you, you know the 
the the people that have you know uh, an elevated status are obligated to help those who are are you know basically you know have ha- do not have what they have you know and 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 you know Michi kind of turns those words against them. He's like, you might as well just you know if if you're going to be the noblesse oblige, like why don't you just die for me? You know, like get out yeah, of yeah. my way. You know, and and it's that same sort of you know knife twisting you know in the gut where it's like you know he he basically said you know kind of goads him into oh you always believed in this and and Takator is like yes I still do like and he's like well if you believe in it so much then then why don't you sacrifice yourself for me I'm your little brother you know like why don't you just die and get the fuck out of my way and you know it's it's that I mean, it's it's a really heartless thing to say, you know, like so. I mean, I, I think I think the the the, you know, I, I think they're equally. Sort of, you know, lambasting each other with with those kind of, you know, verbal verbal insults among the the physical fights as well, you know, and it, I, I just get the yeah. idea, though, that, you know, Michi's just not as good a fighter. You know, like, I mean, Takator has always been, like, a expert fighter and, and has made short work of a lot of people. I mean, to, to me, the only advantage that Michi has in that fight is that he's using the Shinzangetsu. And, and just as a weird, you know, sort of pulling back the, the veil in terms of, like, you know, my thoughts, it's like, it, it, I, I have these weird moments where I'm sitting there going, you know, for a long time, I've been sort of coveting the Zangetsu Shin figure arts, but that's like one of those figure arts that's like a lot of money for whatever reason. Like, it's one of the, I don't know if it's rare or if it was just harder to get because it was a web exclusive, but a lot of times it's it's up there for the most part, you know, you yeah. know, nine, 90 to $150, like something like that, you know, for the one thing. And, and I, you know, kind of sit there and, you know, see which ones come and go and, and, you know, maybe if there's something I want to pull the trigger on or whatever, but like watching this, like, especially these last couple episodes in the arc, it's like, I think the last arc, it's like, Oh, well, Mitchie used it once to fool Kota. And that's all I sort of knew about it. But as far as my thoughts were, I was thinking, well, that's, that's Takatora's suit. But now I've almost come to yeah. think of the Shinzangetsu as it, it's like Michi's almost taken ownership of it, you know, in in certain ways. Yeah. So now now I have that like, I don't want to pay all that money for Michi's dirty <laughs> suit, you know, like like where you you've got that weird double feeling about it. It's like before I kind of coveted it because I was like, I like Takatara, he's cool and and he's sort of honorable and this and that and the other thing. Now I'm like, oh, that dirty slimy fuck Michi's wearing it. Like now I don't know that I want that suit so much, you know. Like it's like I don't want like, your blood armor. <laughs> yeah, I don't want your dirty armor. <laughs> like your your tricking coat of armor, you douchebag you know so that that's just i just wanted to sort of share that aspect of it in you know when the brothers are fighting with one another yeah no yeah no i mean yeah i mean that's that's it's kind of funny how like something by watching a show i know you mean you many times talk about how we hate seeing a new figure being released and it's like hey get this new figure and then like they don't realize well they probably do realize they just don't care 
that like it might be a comic book figure, but like two issues ago they died, and you're like, yay, I want that guy. <laughs> like, <laughs> well, yeah, uh, died or or the 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 outfit is out of date or something like that, and that's. It, but it is interesting how how watching a story you know in different stages can can adversely affect your opinion on said item. You know, like that that at one point <laughs> I was sort of coveting the suit. And then at this point now, it's almost like it's like, 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 I, I don't like you. It's, you know, it's got like a, a negative connotation to it. <laughs> yeah, I'm just going to play with my, uh, you know, my, my drive car. <laughs> he never turned on anybody. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, the, the, the fight is brutal. And it, it's cut off midway because we flash to uh, Koda looking for Takatora. Uh, he runs into, unfortunately, uh, Reggie. And he ain't got time for this shit. I ain't got time for your shit. So he goes into Kawami Arms, and he actually is getting the better of Reggie. Like, not really, like, beating the crap out of her, but she's getting worried. She's like, what the fuck? And then she's like, oh, shit. He's becoming an overlord, and he possesses, he possesses the powers of the fruit of knowledge, which is pretty much what, what we're going to say is the Kawami Arms lock scene. That's the fruit of knowledge. And... You know, she's like, I'm getting the fuck out of here. <laughs> she's like, wasn't ready for this. So that's kind of a nice little, at least small victory in this episode, because it is very heavy on, like, good guys getting their ass kicked. We go right back to the fight between the brothers. And, you know, Takator, like you said, Derek, you know, Michi is more powerful by default because of his Zangetsu Shin arms. But power isn't everything. You know, Takator is a much better fighter. And he's actually got, you know... Mitchie kind of on the ropes and he's like I'm gonna have to end you know I have to end you and he's like I can't you know he is your, you are my brother and I just can't do it that moment of hesitation just costs him the whole fucking fight because it's like he stops and has like the little stupid fucking flashback to to when his brother was a little kid and he just can't he can't swing that sword down on his brother's head and then in that instant he hesitates it's like you know Mitchie just unloads on him and you see like the sort of slow-mo and the he flies away and and his his angetsu suit the the face mask is like crumbling away as he fucking falls into the the lake and everything and you know you're like oh shit like i i mean i i i don't know because because it seems like some of this episode we're going to talk about and maybe the movie we'll talk about next episode deals with kind of like a an alternate universe of sorts so i don't I, i don't know that seeing that actor in those in in that movie promo really gives you the the, the foreknowledge that this isn't the final end for for Takatora or not. So, like, at some point, I was kind of like, oh, man, he, I guess he really is gone this time. You know, like, I'm not, I'm not 100% sure. I mean, maybe he's not, but, but, I mean, it, it looks, it looks pretty bad. Yeah, Mitchie does pretty much just unload on him and, you know, he does win the fight, not through ability, but just, you know, having no remorse, you know. Yeah, he took advantage of somebody's weak point, basically. Yes, poor Takatora. They're fighting near a pier, and he flies off the pier. And last thing we see of Takatora, at least you know, till alternate universe or whatever, is him sinking in the ocean. And the last thing he's thinking of is Michi, and it's kind of sad. It is. I mean, I don't know if his tear welling up sad, but it's like, ow, my feels. You know, <laughs> you were my brother, literally. <laughs> yeah, exactly. 
Literally, like for reals. It's like genetics, and, bitch. And it's like, and I had the high ground too. How does that work? <laughs> I was winning. Fuck. Yeah, uh, I will let you probably give your rating. I probably know what it is, and I actually might agree on this one. Let's see. Yeah, I, 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 I again, like I'm, I'm pretty free flowing with these, but I, I give it five pineapples. I didn't write down a whole hell of a lot. I was, I was invested in the, the fight, and, and you know, I, I, I did spend a number of, of, you know, hours, you know, coveting the different suits and everything. So it is, it is kind of fun. Like, I mean, it, it's a good matchup, you know, seeing, you know, it, it's like that thing where you get excited where it's like, you know, old costume versus new costume fight, you know, and you're like, oh, that's kind of cool. Like, I mean, that's, it, it's kind of a, a, a trope in a lot of different things, especially like comics and stuff like that. But it is, it is kind of, entertaining you know even on that base level of you know oh look it's you know it's like the old version of of iron man's armor versus the new version of iron man's <laughs> armor. you know like those kind of things so so I, I i totally enjoyed it five five pineapples for me considering that like no matter what comes after this i mean there are some more high points and you know i'm not gonna spoil those this is still tagatora versus his brother and it was a really good fight. And it did, like I said, pull down the heartstrings a little bit. You know, you ain't got to cry, but you can still be a little sad by it. And it was a good fight. It was a hard fight. It was really good. I have to give this five out of five, too. Five pineapples all the way. And I think probably the biggest compliment I can give is that this episode wasn't about Coda at all. It was about two, like, it was about, like, who is now one of the main villains and a character who was the main villain who's kind of become not a second tier hero, but, like, you know, someone who's out of the loop for a while. And I didn't give a shit. It was entertaining. I enjoyed watching it. I cared about both these characters. I was like, fuck, you know, I like Koda. I like him being on the show. I like, you know, I like all the characters, you know, in some way or shape or form. But for this not to even be about Gaim, you still enjoyed seeing Takatora and Michi's, you know, rivalry and arc. And for now, you know, the ending to their sibling rivalry. Let me put it this way. Like, my avatar is... is Mitchie holding the melon energy lock seed, and that's only because I couldn't find an avatar small enough to have him and Takatora fighting each other. That's the only reason why I did that. Yeah, yeah, no, but that that was a good. I mean, it was a it was a great episode, and and like you said, the fight was good, and you know, it it it, it atypified like certain tropes of you know Mitchie sitting there doing the old dirt in the face on the planet war world attack to to. You know the Zangetsu, and and you know it's like one of those things where you're like, oh, it's it's kind of like that unwritten thing everybody knows. It's like the guy who throws dirt in the face is like the slimy guy, and <laughs> the guy who gets the dirt thrown in the face is usually the more noble guy. So I mean, it it it, it had elements like that in the whole in the whole fight, and and it 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 made the episode basically. I mean, and 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 it is interesting that you mentioned like this really strictly speaking doesn't have to do with our main protagonist or the title character but but the characters that they created you know the supporting characters that they created are are so well developed and engaging that you know obviously you're you're thrilled to to see the the fruition of all these seeds that have been planted you know this is like a a big payoff on on a lot of things that were dropped even from the very first episode so I mean, and and it's yeah, fully. I mean, it really feels fully realized. So, I mean that that you know that's that's the best kind of you know compliment I could give it. Hey, Shin. 
So now we're going to move into episode 37. Tagator is sinking in the bottom of the ocean for all we know. Coda is looking for him crazily. The investor are taking over the city of Zawame. Things are looking down. I think in the next episode we're probably going to see, like, Coda maybe turn into Zekaujudaizinga, which is the most powerful for... Oh, no, it's Baron Sojourn Summer Camp. Huh? <laughs> episode 37 is... Baron Soccer Showdown Summer Camp. Okay, my bad. I guess I forgot this one. No, I'm kidding. So I, I, I don't want to, you know, because I haven't, I haven't seen the film yet. But my, you know, given what our plans are, I mean, am I, am I way off? Like this, this is sort of like the tie-in episode to the film that's in the theaters at the time, right? Well, since we're going to be covering it, it, it this does have tie into Kamen Gaim, Great Soccer Battle, Golden Fruits Cup. It does okay. tie into it, and I have seen it. Okay, that, I, I, I mean, that's the vibe I got from it, you know, like, where it's like, it, it, it was almost like, I mean, you know, for me, I mean, th- this is the one episode of part one, you know, this is the final episode we're ending off with of the, the Forbidden Fruit Saga part one arc, and it, it does really seem like it's, uh, you know, this is the, your time to take a breath. You know what I mean? It, it, yeah. It, it's yeah. almost like it's almost like you know, ending watching the end of Empire Strikes Back, and then instead of going straight into Return of the Jedi, it's like you, you know, it's like Luke's volleyball beach party, you know, or whatever, and you're just kind of like, <laughs> wait a minute, what? And and oh. and it's it's kind of like. You're like, okay, and it's like, and guess what? Han Solo's not in the Carbonite, and he's playing volleyball, too! And you're like, wait, how does that work? Because it's an alternate universe! <laughs> you know, and you're like, oh, okay. Like, and, and, and it's like, I'm I'm with it, like, I get it, like, I, I understand, you know? Like, it, I, I don't have any major problems with it, but it is kind of like you were, you were riding your bike, and you're on a dirt trail... And, and you're getting a lot of good speed and you're like, yeah, I'm doing it. And, and then all of a sudden you, you know, bump into a rock and you almost fall off the trail and you're like, wait, let me just, let me just stop. Let me slow down, put on the brakes, make sure everything's okay with the bike, take a breath. And then your bike turns into a unicorn. In, in the meantime, like there's a, a crazy band with a bunch of clowns that come by, and they're like, da 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 da. And you're like, okay, well, I guess I'll just enjoy this band with clowns that came on the dirt trail, and I'll I'll start riding my bike again momentarily. But for right now, I guess I'll just you know chill out and you know enjoy the the clowns with the clarinets and funny symbols and. I want to give you a disclaimer, guys. This is a silly episode. I mean, there are some interesting things in it. There are some dying things in it, but there is some silliness in it. So bear with us because I, I you may be surprised. You never know. This is definitely like a 90-degree turn, you know, in the middle of this arc all of a sudden. Yeah, exactly. I was kidding about as far as it connecting with Gaim. It does connect with Gaim, you know, even though it kind of seems like a standalone story. It does connect because... It does take place right after Takatora Michi. Coda misses Michi. He doesn't get there in time. He gets distracted by bees or locusts or grasshoppers or whatever. And he gets there just to see that he's he's too late. He's attacked by a grasshopper monster. And, you know, just like, he's like, what the, the grasshopper monster? It's not actually an invest. 
we will see what happens with that later. So he's like, this isn't an overlord, but, you know, this is a weird creature. Coda's got to be, like, pissed off, man. He's, like, at a dance competition. He gets attacked by, like, some weird pitcher plant. And he goes here and he's attacked by a grasshopper. Like, what the fuck, man? <laughs> and Coda's just like, what the hell's going on? You know, he doesn't know what's going on, which, you know, fair enough. I wouldn't know either. Kaido, we go to, however, we're, we're, we're switching back to him. And he's looking at the wound caused by Red Dew. And he's like, if he had just transformed before he was, like got into that battle, he wouldn't have gotten the injury he received. And hey, lo and behold, long time no see, buddy. DJ Cigar is there. He uh, does as he does, just kind of pop, popping in. And it's like, not to be a dick, but to kind of be a dick, he's like, hey, by the way, Cody's is a lot stronger than you, and he's leaving you behind. <laughs> what the fuck, man? You, you knew it was like an off-kilter episode once that happened, because, like, DJ Cigaris shows up, and, and like, he's in his full-on alien wardrobe you know with the the sort of masked face and all that and, and you really feel like he's playing on the whole you know vegeta goku rivalry thing that's going on between the two of them because it's like you know you're kind of it, it's basically like hey vegeta what's up and it's like uh nothing napa and it's like well vegeta like you know goku he's like and not only is he like super saiyan but he's like he's like super saiyan 2 and super saiyan 3 <laughs> and then he becomes uzaru super saiyan 4 and in this new movie he's like super saiyan god super saiyan and then he's super saiyan god god super saiyan and he's got blue smurf hair you know, like, you gotta catch up, buddy! You know, and it's just, like, one of those things where you're like, oh, okay, like, and 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 what he sees, basically, is not really Kota, but it is the Kiwami arms, you know, and it, it's almost like it's, yeah. it's, it's the armor unfiltered just as a display to, to show Kaito, like, how, you know, put it in perspective, like, how... How much more power Kota has currently than he does? Yeah, and you know it's like not going well for Kaido. He's like trying to fight, but Kiwami is pretty powerful. However, he gets a reprieve by Lapis. This is a new character in this episode. I don't want to give away too much about Lapis because he does play big in the movie that we're going to be doing after this. So I want to be vague about him for right now. However, Lapis is like you know. I'm going to send you to a different world, you know? It's like, well, it doesn't so much say that, but he just does it. And it's kind of funny. As soon as Koda gets in there and, like, you know, arrives there, he, like, kind of wakes up and he's, like, you know, comes to, and he's on a soccer field, and there's a soccer match going on. <laughs> it's like it's like Captain Kirk got into a transporter accident, and then he goes to the Mirror Universe, but instead of, like, taking over, like, the Federation, it's like, all you know mr spock with the goatee like he plays soccer now and it's like everything's about like it's basically like captain don't you know like we're totally supposed to win this soccer match against the klingons and then we'll rule the universe you know like that's basically what like the yeah. setup is you know it's kind of like war world if it was with batman <laughs> like bowling y'all as derek said you know you do know it's kind of an alternate universe because one of the first people we see is dale yeah i say is alive yeah he's running on the field kicking and you know playing the game you know? it's funny seeing yeah. them because it's like chip and dale are both there but they're part of team Charmin. so it's like Charmin, it, yeah. it, it, it's like basically 
the the beat writers exist in this alternate universe but instead of them being dancers you know instead of them trying to win stages you can tell they're instead of having a dance off they're just having like a soccer off basically where they're you yeah. know they're playing soccer against one another and everything and 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 you know a lot of these teams their main mascot or maybe their their star player their kobe bryant or whatever is like you know has an armored rider an armored rider yeah i will say one thing real quick i'm impressed by the either either a the money or the fan support to come out to this because either they actually got full stadiums after matches of soccer and people stayed just to be a part of a show or they hired a shit ton of extras because these are actual like you know soccer stadiums full of people (laughs) yeah you know i don't I don't know enough about soccer, but the vibe I'm getting from all the commercial promos that I'm seeing leads me to believe that there are actual like soccer stars in this film and episode. So it wouldn't surprise me if if they were real fans of whatever Japanese soccer team there was. Does that make any sense? Yeah, and they probably just stay behind. They probably have like a fan meet and greet with the soccer stars. Yeah, there's that one guy who teaches who teaches Kaito how to play soccer and they're like, Oh my God, it's famous. You know, you know, Joe blow who plays soccer and he's going to, I I did pull up the wiki on this just because of this. It is the uh, Kawasaki front tails, Kingo Nakamura. See, so like he's an actual, I don't know who he is. I don't know who he is either. Yeah. Yeah, He's a real soccer player, but he's a real soccer player. So it wouldn't surprise me if, if a lot of the extras were just soccer fans. Yeah, so I mean, yeah, they probably just stayed after a real soccer match, soccer battle. I don't, I don't watch soccer either. Sorry. And then, you know, like I said, it was probably like you know, see, see, you know, Nakamura, and he'll sign autographs, and they're like, hell yeah, we'll watch fucking these guys in weird suits play soccer for a few minutes. <laughs> uh, speaking of Nakamura, he he just kind of shows up, and he's like, hey, Ka- Kaito, you seem like you might have skill. He doesn't know how to play soccer really well yet, but he's like, I'll train you. You'll be a great soccer player. You know, we're going to fight Team Charmant. Apparently, Team Charmant is actually one of the higher-ranked soccer teams, which is kind of funny considering the fact that all three of those guys are considered lower-tier riders in the actual show. Kaido runs into Lapis again, and he's like, did you bring me here? And, you know, he's like, I saw you fighting, you know, against Gowane, or that version of Gowane, and I know that you're pissed off that you're not strong enough yet. And, you know, he's like, you know, maybe this will help you, you know. And at that point, the grasshopper monster, remember him? And, you know, it attacks Kaito. And Kaito manages to fight the monster because he might not know how to play soccer, but he knows how to fight. <laughs> he knows what to do as far as that goes. And it's it's interesting that everyone else, like, it, it seems like in this AU, most people did not use the armor for combat because you, you get this vibe where they see Kaito fight off the grasshopper monster and the common reaction is, you can do that with these things? Like, you can... We didn't know you yeah, could do uh, that. Like, that kind of vibe. Yeah, all the, other, all the other riders who are still there, they don't henchin or anything. They're like, he's fighting. Why is he fighting? <laughs> like, I didn't know you could do that with this armor. Well, he, even at one point, he turns to... He turns to Zack, you know, and he's kind of like, go ahead, like, suit up, become Knuckle Man, like, help me kick this guy's ass. And, you know, Zack's just kind of like, suit up? Like, what? What? I don't, you know, I don't know what you're talking about, you know, like, because it's like, clearly it's, it's an alternate universe. Do you mean my soccer form? <laughs> yeah, he's like, he doesn't have the knuckle man armor or whatever. 
Yeah, it's it's interesting that like you know this world is so diff- different. Meanwhile, Coda, you know our Coda, not the one in the soccer world, is fighting the grasshopper monster and turns it into uh, Kachidoki arms. Who should happen to show up? But again, DJ Sagara, and he's like, "Yo, dude, time and space were being messed up," and you know he's like he shows him like a crack that you know he's it's him with lapis. This is where it does tie in with the movie. You'll see more in the movie when we talk about it. No spoilers, but this this is definitely a direct kind of like a connection to. Oh, okay. Well, we'll see what happens in the movie. Right. Right. And yeah, Koda then transforms back into Kiwami arms and uses the Ichigo charge, Kunai burst. But uh, the grasshopper monster jumps back into Lapis's world, so the grasshopper is not defeated yet. So, meanwhile, on Soccerverse or Soccer World or whatever you want to call it, Kaito now. Really, it's really funny. Kaito at first is very put off about soccer. He's like, I don't want to play soccer. You know, like, this is stupid. And then, like, when everybody is so into it, he's like, Wait a minute, soccer, the like soccer teams of this world gain power. This is how they gain power and you know prestige. Like, yeah, he's like, I will be the best soccer player ever. <laughs> Which is that's just that's just Kaito. That's just how he is. It's just it's just really funny. It's 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 a very cute thing. They they do beat Team Tournament. And uh, the grasshopper monster, like, I guess this is supposed to be kind of like where he said time is place, time and space is distorted. I guess the grasshopper monster keeps jumping back and forth between Soccer World and Zwame. And he, when he jumped away from Koda, he's back in Soccer World. And, you know, he turns in, Kaito is like, you know, ah, fight, you know, ah, you know, this is what I need to do. And he turns into banana arms. And then after a little bit, turns into lemon energy. And then he finished him off with the sparking Cavalier End attack, which I thought was actually a pretty good fight, especially for a soccer episode. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was a good fight. So that, that was fun. He notices after the uh, battle that Lapis is standing on the sidelines, you know, and he walks up to him and he gets sent back to Zawame. And then he gets a slight glimpse of his alternate self with the alternate riders and Coda, like the regular Coda. So Coda's there now, and he's back here again. Movie, it's it's a little confusing, timey wimey stuff. Well, it it seemed, I mean, at least it seemed to me like the way they treated it was that Kaito woke up and just kind of wrote it off as a dream, even though it does directly tie into the film that it's about to lead into. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, yeah, he, he, he like, you know, like, he, like I said, he gets a glimpse, but he's not like, this happened. You know, he, he's like, I didn't play soccer, fuck that. But he, take, he takes, he does take the, uh, I guess, lessons he learned. And I guess, you know, the underlying idea is the whole point of him going to Soccer World. As far as this episode, the movie is a little different. The whole point of the Soccer World is he had to learn something new to become more powerful. I think that's what you're supposed to take away from it. Yeah, yeah, that that, that it's not only... That, that his means to achieve strength don't necessarily always have to be about combat that he can he can learn something to achieve his goals that he didn't know before yeah yeah he, he yeah he learned the lesson and it is funny so you know it's like it's, it's not one of those things where you're like butthurt about it we do have a final scene though and we go to arcoda not the one in the the dream sequence or the one on soccer world he's trying to, he's still trying to find michi and takatora he doesn't know what has happened to Takatora. He just got to the battle too late. He didn't know that Takatora got knocked into the drink. And before him is Kamen Rider Mars, who, you know, is just there. And he just takes off and enters uh, a crack to Lapis's world. 
Mars is one of the guys in the movie. I just gave you his name because you, if you watch the episode, you're like, who the fuck is that? So I'm just giving you his name, not any... Right, right, episode. right. Yeah. So, but yeah, this does lead, lead almost directly, more so than a lot of other episodes, right into a movie. Like, you know, like remember that one where they had a Christmas episode then a movie and then went right back to like, you know, the main storyline where like, how the fuck did this happen? Yeah, yeah. So this one actually does at least lead right into it. As a whole... I'm not going to get my, my ranking yet. I'm, I'm curious as what Derek's are. But I will say, as silly and stupid as this may sound to you, listening to us talk about guys in armored suits playing soccer, I thought it was fun. Yeah, I'm, I, 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 wouldn't, I wouldn't dispute that. You know, I mean, it was definitely a fun episode. I think my, I, I will fall back on the idea that I was on a five pineapple train and then I got taken off the rails a little bit and, and it was like, oh, I had to maybe put myself on a, a new set of train tracks or something to get into the groove with this. So, I mean, I'm going to give this three pineapples. I don't think there was anything really, you know, horribly offensive about the episode, you know, like it worked what they were trying to accomplish, but the, there is an abrupt change of tone. So that's the only thing for me. And it, it, I think I get it. Like, it's kind of like you're taking a breath in between like this knockout drag out final arc or whatever. But at the same time, it is kind of like you're stopping and taking a breath. So, I mean, if you were yeah. if you were super, super into the last three or four episodes like I was, this was sort of a little bit of a, wait, what? Huh? Like, what What are we <laughs> doing? Like, and it's like, and I caught up to speed quick enough. You know, I'm not, I'm not too slow on the uptake. I get what's going on, but it was just one of those things where, you know, it, 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 it it's, it's kind of like, I, I think it's just... It must be, like, maybe marketing or something, you know? It must be, like, you know, the the, the Japanese Larry. I, I was thinking, you know? yeah. Like, 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 like it must man. be, like, where, where they're like, look, we, we want this movie. We want it to be about Kamen Rider. We want it to have soccer. And we want it to be light and fluffy. And you're like, oh, well, sir, you know, it's in the middle of this arc where everything's, like, gloomy and moody. And we're really revving up to, like, the final you know, episodes and everything. And it's kind of like we're in the middle of Empire Strikes Back. And they're like, well, this movie, it's going to be like, you know, Care Bears and shit, you know? And you're just like, okay, <laughs> well. Caravan of Courage, you know? <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, and you just kind of have to figure out, they just kind of had to figure out how to, you know, get into that. And, and I, I think the transition, you know, I guess is a little clunky. It's kind of like Coda's in mid-run, and then it's like, whoop, uh, it's like, even though he's desperate to save his sister and save Takatora, it's like, I gotta take a side story into, you know, the cloud car and care a lot, you know, or whatever. And it's like, okay, well, I guess, I guess yeah. we just have to go along for this ride. And when he comes back from fucking care a lot, you know, then, then we can get back into the main story. Does it flow as well as the Kakaider, like, you know, one-off thing? Yeah, yeah. I, you know, it's like, well, I, I think the beauty of that one is you could watch that single episode and you don't necessarily have to watch the movie. This is like one of those things where people get mad in comic crossovers where it's like, to find out the continuing adventures of what you just read in panel A, go read comic book XYZ and pay $3.99 for it. And now, back to panel two, where we tell the rest of the story. You know, it, it's kind of, you, you know what it's like? It, it reminds me of when we were reading 
the Night of the Owls storyline in Batman, and there's this one episode or one comic book where it's like, oh, and to see what happens between this panel and that panel, go read Detective Comics number nine. And you read it, and it's like, it's kind of like, I, it almost feels like it was just an afterthought. Like, like you, almost like if they made a trade of it, you'd rather them excise out the two panels that tell you to go read the other comic, and it would have been a better story. Do you know what I mean? Like, that that kind of yeah. vibe. But, you know, for me, like, like I, you know, I'm not trying to keep people in anticipation any longer. Like, for me, this was, you know, it was a three pineapple episode. It, you know, it wasn't it wasn't quite up to snuff as far as the episodes I had been enjoying. You know, but there's nothing hideously wrong with it either. So I'm, I'm not going to say it's below average, but it's just, you know, it, it's another episode. You know, the, the comedic parts, they, they, they worked well. You know, they delivered on them. And, you know, that's... You know, that's really all I can say about it. Um, yeah, I'm going to be slightly generous. Not too much, don't worry. I'll give it a 3.5 just because the last couple of episodes, especially most of this arc, we've had a stunning lack of Kaido. So it was kind of nice to see Kaido again. And especially as like a, a main driving force of this episode. I think probably I'm going to go out on a limb here. <laughs> and I'm just kind of curious. Because we were talking about the shiny episode, the shiny special. Fresh! Fresh, yeah, fresh. And we were talking about how Kaito, the actor, was a really well-known for being a pretty good cook. And he had a cooking episode. I actually kind of wonder if he's also a really avid soccer fan. And they're like, fuck it, have a soccer episode, you're popular. <laughs> yeah, maybe, maybe. I don't I don't know about that. I mean, it, it, it did look like he, he did a good job at acting like he didn't know how to play soccer, but then in the next clip when he had to, like, kick the ball and look like he learned from an expert and was kind of on his way to becoming an expert, like, it looked like he knew what he was doing, too. Do you know what I mean? So, yeah, so I, 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 I would attribute the, the lack of knowledge to him being a good actor and the actual kick to just either you know the great camera work or just that that he was actually pretty decent of a soccer player and and he just kind of faked being no good yeah i i I have to really find out more about that actor Uh, i know his name is but i'll have to look it up again he seems to be a man of many hats i want to see him in movies damn it (laughs) (laughs) damn it yeah so three and a half three for Derek. i would say overall this arc is started really strong uh, and i know that People may be like, it's a, it's a, the whole arc is until the end. It's like, but we have a movie, and this is the most, you know, logical step. So we could have a break, you know, bring you guys a nice, more compact episode instead of talking for three hours instead of just two hours, and only that give you like a, a break for the soccer movie that we're going to do next, which is the next movie, Kamen Rider Gaim, Great Soccer Battle, Golden Fruits Cups. They now I will let you know this: it does have soccer in it, just like this episode that we just talked about. But Derek hasn't seen it yet, so I don't want to give any spoilers. There is some seriousness to it. There is definitely more of a tonal shift from this episode. This episode seemed a lot more kind of wacky fun at some points. The Great Soccer Battle does have some wackiness in it because, I mean, it is guys in armored suits playing soccer. But there are some definite moments where it's like, oh, okay, that's kind of cool. Oh, I like that. So don't write it off just because it's soccer. So, like, you know, I watched it, and I'm not a huge soccer fan, so... Just bear with us, guys. It's it's Common Rider Gaim. It's proven to be able to shred his stuff. Yeah, I'm actually looking forward to it. Like I, I keep seeing the the commercials and all the 
the the episodes that I was watching leading up to this. And then, you know, they do the traditional thing, which I, I always forget to talk about when the movies and specials are coming up. But they always do that thing where they start playing scenes from the movie in the opening credits and stuff like that, where you're like, it's that it's that Justice League Unlimited spoiler thing where you're like, don't show me scenes before I've seen it, you fucking morons. But, you know, it's like they, they, they go ahead and I guess for them, it's more of like a free advertisement thing. It'd be like, you know, if, if you had an ongoing, you know, if, say, Star Wars Rebels, you know, is an ongoing TV show and then you started showing clips from The Force Awakens in the opening of Star Wars Rebels. But of course, we don't even have TV openings to shows anymore these days because advertisers get all the time. So that's not even a, a thing anymore. Openings and closings. Yeah, we, just have, shows. Cred- we, have, we have credits and cold openings, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So. But yeah, I am glad you guys decided to join us on another ride with Common Rider, Gaim. See what I did there? Okay, I gotta go to bed. We appreciate all the fan love we get on this. We're probably going to be bringing some more guests back for some certain episodes. I'm going to ruin who those may be, so keep uh, in tune with that. We always love giving you guys new products and content on here. We um, do our Toku Thursdays, obviously, like we're doing tonight. We have Mobile Suit Mondays, which has really gotten a big kick in the butt. We've uh, done a couple of those already that are going to be really soon. Transformer Tuesdays. We really are going to try to do some more Sentai Saturdays. Actually, Derek and Mars, if you haven't heard it, did one not too long ago um, on uh, Die Ranger. So check, definitely check that out. We also have our Fandles Proper podcast. Just a lot of good stuff you can listen to. We just got done, like I said, we've mentioned it a couple times, Star Wars Month. That was really fun, really enjoyable. You can look us up on Instagram, Twitter, Tumblr. We have our Facebook page. Uh, as far as listening to us, we're on Stitcher and iTunes. We, of course, have the blog spot. And we love you guys to let us know how we're doing. If we if we suck or if we're awesome, you know, if we're if we're a you know a soccer cup or if we're you know Zangetsu versus Zangetsu, if we're doing awesome. I'm just saying, if if you give me a DJ gun and somebody says we suck, I may I may have to use the DJ gun. I'm just saying. May have to bust some out some. Kid, like, you know, may have to bust out some. Wah, 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 you know. <laughs> we are a vengeful lot. We are. <laughs> But if you want to like, if you want to get in contact with us, it's a uh, fanholes uh, podcast at gmail.com. As always, we just love talking to you, to each other, and to you guys about what we like to talk about. You know, the things that are awesome. Gaim is one of the things me and Derek have really become big fans of. We enjoy doing this show, and until we do talk about a lot more writers playing soccer, uh, this is Tony signing off. Hey, what's up, guys? This is Derek. Derek WC signing off. What's your name again? Re Re Which one? The you know, the the, the chick, the Reggie? Look, yeah, re- redo, redo, redo. I call it redo. I call it redo, but that's just yeah, me. yeah. No, 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 no. That, that's what I meant. Big, I just couldn't think of her Mama name. Green, but... if you want to call her. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. But oh man, we we really do need a DJ gun. Uh, we we need a whole a whole country full of DJ guns. Our standing military should just be armed with DJ guns. Yeah.
that works for me. You know when DJ Cigar first showed up in that episode of the soccer thing, I was like, does no one see this guy with like a fucking like fruit basket on top of his head just standing in the middle of the park? 